Welcome to the Dear Warren Podcast, where we do backseat parenting. We share stories, principles, parables, and lessons, and pass them down to my son, Warren. But most importantly of all, we try to have fun, and we hope you do too. Hey, we're back. Yes, it's been a while. Been very busy. Very busy summer. And Warren, maybe one day we will uh, uh, be able to tell what this huge gap in the podcast was and uh, explain it to you. But hey, we're back. And guess what? This episode features our good friend, Chloe Buckner. Chloe is a teacher, freelance writer, and a notorious self-proclaimed tea connoisseur slash snob. (laughs) This episode was a long time coming. Uh, She knows Warren personally and was unofficially his first girlfriend. And she was over at a barbecue over the summer uh, with a couple of our other friends. And we had a surprisingly long and insightful conversation where basically by the end I said, wow, we just have to have you on the podcast. This episode, there was a good discussion on the current state of education, uh, including Common Core curriculum. Uh, We even discussed clean water in foreign nations and uh, to another topic of how to promote literacy through uh, the popular game of of, of the time, Fortnite. Uh, you know what? I'll stop yapping. Please enjoy as we present to you, Chloe Buckner. This is the Dear Warren Podcast. Hi, how are you doing, Chloe? As I make sure I uh, ask you, as you're taking a <laughs> slurg of that wonderful throat coat tea that you've heard all about. It's amazing. If you don't know about the tea, the tea is amazing. <laughs> And I, and you got, and you got the, and you even gave me the compliment of the tea because you did, you did say you're kind of a tea snob. I'm not kind of, I am a tea snob. Oh, you are. It's serious. It's Mm -hmm. bad. I spend like half of my check and that, what's that place, Tiavana? Really? I can't go in there no more. Mm. I can't go in there no more. (laughs) I can't. I can't. I have the little like tea. It's like a, I've been calling it a tea machine. It's not a tea machine, but I don't know what to call it. (laughs) It's like you, um, it has like a little, um. A little heater for the water mm. and but it's like a glass almost like acrylic um pot and you could like see the tea like as it's brewing and i'm like yep this is totally worth a hundred dollars take my wow. money so this was all take this, my money th- this is all about um making sure it's like the perfect temperature yes and... it like makes it so your tea does not burn mm. so because if you boil if you boil your water too long the tea will burn when you put the leaves in it so she was like, yeah, it'll make sure your tea wouldn't burn. I don't really know if this is true at all, but I'm just like, you no. know what? This feels like a good thing. This is a good decision. I'm doing it. And I was like, wow, this is $100. What <laughs> what, what am I doing in life? I was telling you that I, I'm, I'm sort of a coffee snob myself as well. And, and it just comes with the territory of, <laughs> of, of my, my coworkers who are also coffee snobs. And it just rubs off. Everyone and drinks to, coffee, though. And to confirm what you were saying, there is an optimal temperature of coffee? Uh, of, of of the water to... Really? Um, exactly. Same thing with tea. I didn't know that. And, and it's the same principle where if you go too hot, I it think burns it? the sweet spot is between 185 and 190 degrees, wow. I believe. Too hot, it burns it, and then it tastes uh, too bitter. Mm. Too, uh, what is it? Not not hot enough. Right. And it, it becomes, uh, you start tasting a little too sour. See, mm. Mm. I never knew that. I thought coffee was just like coffee like yeah it's coffee i i don't like most coffee and i also have anxiety so coffee makes me weird like the caffeine makes me weird i feel like i have mm-hmm. to like 
I need to like do my taxes. I need to, <laughs> I need to be doing like you know work. Like let me go clean. You know what? Jess has this same problem too. When you were I talking can't about do it, yeah, caffeine like caffeine stuff. And so when I she has can't. tea, it's always the decaffeinated yeah, ones. Yeah, I can do caffeinated tea. It's I don't know if it's because it's tea and not coffee. Like somebody was telling me the caffeine and coffee is almost like should be a schedule one drug because mm. it's that it's as addictive as some schedule one drugs and the caffeine and tea is like natural i guess if you're drinking like good tea and i already told you i'm only drinking good tea anyway <laughs> so it doesn't affect me the same way coffee literally makes me like the, the, what the am i doing jittery. um yeah. so i need to write this dissertation it's going to be 48 pages um i'm gonna be done in like two hours like it's really bad i can't i can't have it like at all anymore. so it's a it's a productive type of anxiety but it's like it's not normal though like oh. <laughs> it's it's productive but i just find myself mm -hmm. doing things and i'm like wow it's been four hours like <laughs> you are really tripping i need you to calm down wow <laughs> and it, it stays in my body for a long time mm -hmm. so i'm like you know what this probably is not for you, so you should probably, you know, just move to something less dangerous for you, because you, you can't handle it. It's not for you. I think you're handling it just well, uh, as as well as you're handling the weather. Speaking of when you were when you were talking about jazz, and then we came in, and it just seems to, it, this is great podcast weather, as I like to joke. No. Uh, why don't you describe it? What's going on? It looks like not nice. <laughs> Like, it's raining, but it's also not, like, real rain. Like, real rain, I feel like you can feel raindrops on you. It makes you move faster when you're outside. This is, like, the fake rain. That, the misty, like, like kind of just a spray bottle. Pss, pss. Oh, I might rain, but then again, I'm not really raining. Like, what are you doing? What are you mm -hmm. doing, weather? Like, I just, I can't. I can't. It's humidity. And also cold. But too. then it's cold outside. I have my ankles out right now. This is a problem. Like... <laughs> I don't put my ankles out when it's cold outside, but I was not prepared for what was about to happen. <laughs> over and then, the next I, and day. I was telling you, Jess loves this weather. You're like, "What's wrong?" I'm like, "She's a fall person." She goes, "That that that doesn't work." <laughs> Jess, I'm gonna change your mind because that's a mistake. That's a mistake. You didn't mean to say that. I know you didn't mean to say that because I know that inside you are better than this. So <laughs> I'm gonna help you. There's nothing good. I just don't. I love the summer. Like mm. I literally live for the summer. Like all year round, all I care about, I'd be like summer's coming it's fine everything is fine summer is coming and as soon as summer's over i'm like it's i'm literally mourning a death like i can't i can't handle it and it life is coming at me too fast right now it was just 80 it was it was just 97 it was. degrees it was 97 degrees it was so hot that there were schools that were closing early because mm -hmm. it was too hot for the kids to be there me oh. and fast forward 48 hours Jeez. i need a sweater like mm -hmm. i should have a scarf on right now what am i doing and speaking of summer, the summer is the barbecue weather, which is, I'm just going to bring it around, yeah. where you were over for one, along with Mario, along with uh, some of our yes. uh, other friends from jiu-jitsu and elsewhere, and we just decided to start uh, sitting, I'm, I'm just going to entertain Chloe for a little bit, and then the next yeah. thing you know, an hour and a half later yeah, of, just deep, talk. of just <laughs> uh, deep discussion, including about education, school, social media, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. and I was like, I gotta have you on. I was like, "Are you sure? I don't feel like I'm really that well." You well, well, you okay. were well. Warren, what he was your boyfriend. Warren, so. first of all, when you hear this, you don't know this. I was your first love. It's mm. fine. <laughs> <laughs> I was your first love. You know, he even though he flirted with my friend, that's fine. It's okay. I know that he didn't mean that. He didn't mean that. He just it was it was too much goodness in his face at once. But look, I was his first love. He's since moved on from me. <laughs> 
but it's fine. That's never that part of his life is gonna be special forever. He's just a ball of cute, and I can't. He can do no wrong in my eyes. Like even when he was side eyeing me when I came in here, I'm like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't matter. You're still you can do nothing wrong. And this and you're and it was it, it's perfect to have you as his uh, girlfriend in in the beginning, just because <laughs> you take care of kids. You under, yeah. you understand a lot. Why don't you go into a little bit of background? With that? I've been. I think I've only ever worked with children. Like, I don't think I've ever... Yeah, no. I've never had a job that was not with a kid. So, I started out... My my grandmother was in child care for... She she worked in daycares for, like, I want to say almost 20 years. And she never wanted us to be in daycares because of the things that were happening in the 90s in daycares. Like, things were not regulated like they're regulated now. What were some of the things in the unregulated daycare? Like... Back then, a person, anybody could just open up a daycare in their house and Mm -hmm. they weren't the the safety things that you have to have now if you have a daycare out of your house were non-existent whatsoever. Like now you have to have because one of my best friends opened a daycare center um, in it was a dad. They lived in a two family house. So the other apartment, um, her and her sister were running a daycare out of it, but they there was nobody living there. So it was converted just for the kids. So you have to have like guards on your windows Mm. like things to cover up your outlets depending on how old the kids are um you know everything has to be fast like your furniture has to be built into the wall you can't have things that can tip over on a kid in the 90s that was not a thing wild wild west it was like i mean but there's some sharp objects go for (laughs) it listen if you die you die you'll be like oh my god that was that was literally how because my grandmother the first couple of daycare centers she worked in she was working there to turn the daycare center around because it was not like productive for children but back then like i said it was not as it was not as regulated by the laws mm-hmm. um as it is now and this is also in like she this was in denver so i'm sure the laws there are like around things like that are less um less strict as they are in a tri-state area the tri-state yeah. area our laws here in general are usually way stricter than most of the other laws period understandable so, population density and yeah. just the frequency of so things yeah. things was just things were just happening out there they were like <laughs> you know what we should probably regulate that so uh-huh. like once when i was a kid one of the only times that i and i used to beg her to bring me to work with her and she would never bring me because she didn't she was like paranoid about what could happen and then she's like i'm watching 50 other kids i can't like watch you and 50 other kids and i know mm-hmm. she also didn't want to give me special treatment to the other kids which obviously i was the firstborn grand grandchild so i'm like getting special treatment regardless but sure mm-hmm. so the one day she did bring me there this kid walks into me with a stack of legos like this high like uh, really high like for those who do, who can't view <laughs> they're on a it podcast was, yeah it was about a five foot high like, stack ab- as as tall as me <laughs> i'm five two the, the the legos were at least five feet okay and the kid the kid is walking with the legos like barely it's all shaky it's not supported things uh-huh. aren't clicked in nothing and he walks into me and we collide at like full force so he hits me in the nose my nose immediately starts bleeding and i'm just like wow this is crazy this is really happening right now what she said was gonna happen (laughs) actually happened and in my child i was probably only like maybe three or four years old and in my head i'm like oh the legos was red that's why i'm bleeding because he walked into me with red lego (laughs) not because 
you big dummy he just walked into you with the full force of his four-year-old body mm-hmm. and your face is too small you can't handle it so yep. since and things like that would happen like all the time just because there were so many kids and not enough people yes. to manage the kids there was also like no separation of like ages like you have little kids over here there was like toddlers no, no weight classes be like no they're like, it was like 1993 like ufc featherweights what... <laughs> heavyweights they just they, everybody just out here so that was part of why she was there because at the time in, her, in our neighborhood she had like a reputation for like she comes into these daycare centers and turns them around so that was my first exposure to like working with kids because that was all she ever did when i was growing up and when i graduated college i have i'm also like the i'm the oldest of seven siblings so i kind of know a little something about yeah dealing with people that are smaller than me because they're all smaller (laughs) than me so i was always like babysitting somebody's kid Mm. or like cousins or whatever so when i got out of college my degree was in um english i was planning on going into publishing but i did a um a service and study project in south america which is how i started teaching um i was teaching esl to the children in venezuela venezuela is um I, don't, I hate the term third world country, but they don't have, it's very underdeveloped still. Mm-hmm. Now in the last maybe like five or six years, they're really, they're move, they're growing at like a very steady pace. So things are better there with their conditions. But when I was there, there was like neighborhoods with no running water. Mm. Um, people who were like making houses out of cardboard. Like the people ran in one extension cord through the street and everybody plugged their stuff in there. That's how they got power. Mm. So um, I went there to teach the kids um english because they had a they have a free um public school system there that goes all the way through college their university is free they have to speak a certain level of english in in order to go to the school and most of the people the families there have never even been exposed to english or someone that speaks the english language so the the person that was running the program was like oh you know most of these kids this will be their only opportunity to get any um formal instruction on english because they don't really have people coming in there to teach the kids english that are fluent in english so Mm. i went there and was like living in the hood in venezuela and i loved it and i loved teaching the kids and they were like they were so happy that somebody like cared about them they didn't even really care about like the fact that we were basically kids ourselves like i was like 17 when this was happening and um they were so excited that a person was there to like pour into them every day and give them information and knowledge they loved that to the point that like the day the last day that we left every single kid that was there cried and we had kids that were like 15 mm-hmm. every single kid cried like some of them still call me now even though i'm like oh wow we can't it's communicating is hard because i only speak a very 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 basic level of spanish Mm -hmm. but some of them still call me so to know that you like impacted a kid's life on that level like especially the things that those kids were dealing with like i had kids that were like oh i can only come to school three days a week because i work the other days at nine years old or i had a kid that came to school with no shoes on every day oh my brother's using my shoes so i don't have shoes i'm like this is crazy but they're they were so happy to learn despite all those other things that were happening that i'm like i feel like this is what i'm supposed to be doing so um once i got out of school <coughs> i um started nannying and tutoring and so i can get more experience working with kids and um on the on the lower east side and the upper east side that was a very interesting <laughs> that was a that was a time to be alive <laughs> in those days because a lot of the parents there, they're really busy. They um, 
they're really busy they have these jobs that like they see their kid like an hour a day so you're literally with the kid all day so you are now that kid's support system Mm -hmm. and i was working with kids from like i think the youngest kid was one month old to the oldest i worked with was seven or eight so like the 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 big like developmental stages in life that was what i was there for like I taught a kid how to walk. I taught a kid how to... I potty trained kids before. I, like, was there for the first word and all of that stuff. So that was... It's a, it's a really hard job to do because you're essentially raising this child while their parent is not there. And when they come back, it's like, okay, you clock out. See you again tomorrow. That was my first experience, like, full-time working with kids. And I went into education because I wanted something a little less hands-on in that way like i wanted to deal with mostly just like the education of the kid versus like holistically the whole kid because when you're nanny you are that kid's you're like mom number two (laughs) like one of my one of my um clients who i'm still close with her now i'm still close with her kids she calls me still to this day her kid's second mom she's like i would not have been able to go to work and provide for my kid without you so you are her other mom that's that when you were teaching down in Venezuela and you said that they were all so excited to see you excited, was it pretty much this uh, kind of like the same scenar- scenario when you were teaching in the city <laughs> as far as... Oh, um, man. It was here, completely different. I, I, I mean more so as in uh, they were just so happy to see you because there's here, uh, like how many... Is the school structure the same? Is it like eight hours in a classroom? They is it, have... Their public school is almost the same mm-hmm. as here in the United States. But I'm quite sure their school day is less long. Um, mm-hmm. America, I think, has the longest school days mm-hmm. like in the nation. I mean, in in the world. Yeah. Excuse me. Most of the kids that in other countries, they're not in the same. Like they have breaks installed installed in their schedule, so they're not in school really for like eight hours a day or six hours a day. Like so in some countries, those kids go home and come back to school. So we have the longest work day and school day, yeah. as far as I know, in the world. So the classes are structured almost the same, but the 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 time that they spend there is not um is no comparison. So do you think it's because uh, uh maybe as you said maybe you were their second mom already <laughs> down in in Venezuela and they were just and that's why they basically cried because here's someone who's willing to come down yeah. barely speak the language but they can definitely feel the energy of uh, the devotion that is. you're giving to them. I really feel that it's there's so kids here it's hard to be a kid now in the world but in the united states kids are getting a lot of things for free that in outside of the united states they don't really understand that there's people that are paying to get what you're getting for free in public what are, school what, okay what are some like of the even in um <clears throat> in places like the caribbean or in africa their parents even if they go to public school your parents pay school fees for you to go to school if you cannot pay your school fees you cannot go to school there's no exceptions there's no nothing there's no law that says like we have here if you're between the ages of 5 and 18 you have to go to school for a certain out a certain number of hours a day or it's considered neglect from the home outside the united states it's not like that so just the fact that you're in school free of charge for you you go someplace all day where you're guaranteed now they're guaranteed breakfast and lunch and if they can't afford it, it's free. Um, you're in the same, you're in a you're in a facility that they have to do certain things. Like it has to be, they have to have AC, they have to have proper heating, running water, running water, um, toilets that flush, yeah. toilets that are inside. <laughs> mm. 
they don't have that in other places. So even the schools that they're going to, they're not schools like we have schools here it's usually like a house that somebody made that has benches and desks and there's 20 or 50 kids sitting there learning all day and there's one teacher that's there basically um working to the bone to make sure those kids have something to go on the experience here of education for kids is completely different so they don't have the same value system that outside of the united states they have because they the kids here don't understand they have no frame of reference to the fact that you're getting all these things for free this is so crazy i was listening to a, a podcast with uh Joe rogan and henry rollins mm-hmm. and henry rollins did a bunch of traveling and he talked about uh the importance of running water in, right uh, and as you put it a very, uh, very not a third world country but a, a more like developing country, a developing yes. country and there's actually a correlation where uh, uh, if there's not a, uh, a good source of clean running water, it actually equals less literacy in women. That is so funny that we're having this conversation because I'm teaching a long walk to water right now with my English class. I teach seventh grade English. So we do whole class novels and they had to read a long walk to water over the summer. So when we came in for the first couple of weeks, that's what I've been talking to them about. Um a long walk to water is basically about this kid who is was part of the um, Lost Boys in Sudan. In Sudan, during the Sudanese Civil War, it was a 21-year-long 21, 21 war. Something like 2 million-plus people were killed hmm. because, um, <clears throat> because the people wanted to be able to practice their own religion. And at the time... The government, the Sudanese government wanted everyone to be Muslim. So that caused this 21 year long civil war. So while that was happening, people were dying of starvation and um, infectious diseases because of a lack of clean water. So this guy that the book, this guy that the book focuses on, he is basically caught up in the middle of this war. He's separated from his family because of the war and they're now walking to find safety and it eventually becomes an issue of food and water. So he is trying to find food and clean food and water for, you know, the people in his tribe that he's with to eat. And he's separated from his family this whole time. I think he's like maybe 13 or 14 while this is happening. So he's with other young men trying to find. Meanwhile, like people are dying while this is happening of of starvation and and parasites and water. Mm -hmm. And he eventually survives, you know, the whole trip. He gets relocated with a foster family in the United States, him and um his remaining family, because I believe he lost two brothers in, in this conflict. So his mother and father survived, his sister survived, two of his brothers die. So he gets relocated to the United States, his entire family, hmm. and he and him and his family end up getting placed with like a host family. Okay. And so he's able to like go to school and, you know, rebuild his, the years of his life that he's lost in the middle of this civil war. And he ends up starting a nonprofit organization that's still in existence that provides clean water to places where clean water is not accessible. So Sudan, Uganda, places like in in Africa and also some parts of South America, some parts of Europe that is close to at that part of Africa that's close to Europe, they his foundation provides them clean water. And one of the questions that was in the unit for the kids was um about how the clean water was related to education and one of the kids this and this kid in my class like he is so he is so bright but he's so easily distracted that i literally have to call his name all the time to make sure that he's still with me mm-hmm. so he um he answers the question super um astute answer he's like well because the availability of water had gave the other kids opportunity 
to go to school because the people can't live in a place where there is no clean water. So if they can't physically sustain life there, they can't build schools for people to go to school. They can't build roads. They can't do any of those things. But since they have clean water, they can focus their energy on other parts of life outside of just like basic survival. So if you don't have clean water, mm. your main focus is just basic survival. And you literally cannot do anything without clean water. And I'm like, hmm, that's actually right. You that's might be right one. about yeah. that. But you would never think that like you the those that's a part of that and that was something i highlighted with the kids when i was giving this lesson because what works well for me when i am giving instruction is trying to relate it to something that they can relate to because a lot of the things that they learn they have no frame of reference to they don't care about they never heard of so i just told them like in our school they have these fancy water fountains where the it has like a sensor and the kids can fill up their water bottles all day. Ooh. It's not like back in the day when we had like hot water Remember from that the, that white the, porcelain yes, kind of like ring from you, the you, raggedy you hit the button and it's and, and it's either one of two it's either going to shoot you in the face like yep. a super soaker or it's just going to like that that dribble you get like three and you have drops to, and you have to have to make out with the you get three the, drops your <laughs> lips is all close to <laughs> it to, like this. <laughs> Meanwhile, you know everybody's lips have been close yep. to it so you just thinking about yep. like wow this can't be clean at all but mm. you know it's either die of thirst or just be dirty so i guess mm. i'm gonna just be dirty and not parched <laughs> but and even in some of the other schools i've worked at they have regular water fountains even the kids the kids will discern like that's the good water you can't get water from down the hole because that water come out hot and is nasty you can mm. only get the good water from this, this fountain. one and everyone so, keeps asking me to go to the bathroom to go to that that's one. what they all want so the school that i'm at now they have like three or four water fountains they all have that they have like the push where you the kids can drink from the fountain but it has a sensor for them to use their water bottles and all the kids are like obsessed with water bottles so every kid has a water bottle and um they love being able to drink That's it in good, class though. or whatever yeah it's a good they're it's, they're, they're learning the that. school that i'm at is really big on like healthy habits so yes. they cannot bring certain things in school like um bacon egg and cheese they cannot bring that they cannot have um it's, it's delicious they can't have it <laughs> they, because because i guess the thinking the rationale behind that is like um because it's a very heavy and like they're getting it from bodegas too so i'm like okay. it's it's like it's really greasy and it, it weighs heavily on them as the day goes on and this is at like 7 45 in the morning that's true like and if you are coming into to class at 7 45 with their a bacon egg and not, cheese on your stomach their bodies are not yet developed to they're uh, haven't gotten that to the level that we at yet where they're your just body out. can process literally yep. 20 minutes in and that's every class. Every class early in the morning, all the kids are sleepy. So if you add in, oh yeah, like the the crap so, they eat all e day, extremely hard on the digestive system, which basically you know, like the yeah, and like post Thanksgiving the, dinner, like oh, the caloric count is yeah, out of control. Mm -hmm. So like things like juice, <clears throat> the juice has to be at least fifteen percent. If it's less than fifteen percent juice, they cannot bring it in school. Mm. They cannot have candy they cannot have chips they cannot bring any of those things to school if they bring it to school they cannot eat it in school they have to eat it at home or when they leave or before they get Interesting. there they're not allowed to have that stuff in class so they tell us like if you see a kid with chips take it because they're oh. not supposed to have it so they're really big that's something that i loved about the, the school that i'm at now is that they're they push healthy habits with the kids to the point that when the parents come they have to sign the handbook that has all this stuff saying like this is what's in the handbook. So you are basically agreeing that your kid is going to abide by those terms. And if you don't, there's going to be consequences for the kid to follow. And then when the kid gets the consequences, you can't call me and be mad because your kid got demerits because he has chips or had a bacon, egg and cheese because you signed a handbook saying you were going to help promote healthy mm -hmm. habits. So 
the water fountain is a big thing for them now because you know that helps them kind of think like i should be drinking water i shouldn't be drinking you know arizona's and the the, the other i don't even know what the kids are drinking nowadays because i'm old to them so (laughs) but they are really big on healthy habits so monster energy drink probably yeah they 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 love all of that stuff and i'm like bro this will kill you are you serious caffeine and sugar I'm like, caffeine and sugar at the same time. I'm like, you are expediting your, your premature death. Can you slow down? So um, I phrased it to the kids when I was teaching them um, about a long walk to water. Imagine when you went to go put your fancy swell bottle under the mm-hmm. water fountain, brown water came out. Yeah. And it was friends floating in it and it's warm. How would you feel? And the Malaria kids are like. and Jardia. <laughs> exactly. And- and the kids are like, Wait, well, malaria is mosquitoes. Sorry, but anyway. but but you do get malaria from um, water also mm. because the mosquitoes that give malaria are attracted to standing water that has yep. not been properly filtered. So malaria was a thing that was spreading too. Um, just to go into the specifics, that your student was able to uh, give a great recap of right. why, especially with schools and the necessity of running water. Uh, the the Henry Rollins example he gave specifically for female literacy. Yes. He said that, um, imagine not having that water, mm-hmm. right? So you don't have anything to be sanitary. And obviously, uh, middle school ages. Yeah, they uh, have things Girls, girls are going through changes. Mm-hmm. And uh, what would happen was that they would, it would, without any water, obviously, it would be an embarrassing situation. Right. They would go home. They wouldn't come back. Right. Because now that they're going through these changes, there's nothing right. there to make them even be at the base level to start right. learning. And they also don't even in, in a lot of places where water is an issue, when the girls start like menstruating, they yep. are isolated from that's like a cultural norm for mm. the girls to be isolated from everyone else. So they're already losing mm-hmm. seven days a month every month out of school. In my school, if a kid missed seven days of school, that kid is not getting promoted. Mm-hmm. So because you're you've missed too much school, you're not prepared. So but that's like a cultural norm in a lot of those places for them to be isolated. So if you if you add the lack of water onto mm. that, that kid is missing literally weeks of school yep. out of the year. What what how getting promoted where how? Yeah, and it, and also just uh, it just blew my mind because you because we always think of water as in oh it's got to be as we were saying cold refreshing not brown just I just want to shower to be clean <laughs> just a basic feeling of being human. Just, uh, just right? being able Clean. to to sanitary purposes to reach water like yeah. you don't even think about oh I'm thirsty let me go get a bottle of water it's something that's uh, required of all like uh, uh, pri- private restaurants everywhere you go they, ha- they is it I believe there's a law like they, if you ask for a water. cup of water they have to they have, have to provide you they have water. to give you water it's li- and literally I'm pretty sure it's everywhere like in the country whether it's like a sit down restaurant or like a mm-hmm. McDonald's or whatever if you ask for a cup of water they are obligated mm-hmm. by the state of wherever you're at yep. to give you water so just the idea so that's how I frame it to the kids like imagine you know you're getting fancy water out of your fancy water fountain and you're out here living your best life meanwhile imagine the day that you go to get your water no water comes out or the water that does come out is brown and nasty and undrinkable and all the kids were it was like pandemonium in my class they were like there is no way that that's real i'm like there's places in the united states that they don't have clean water quiet as that's kept there's there's Mm -hmm. places here where there's whole communities of people that do not have clean water 
And I let the kids talk about that for a little while and just to give them an outside frame of reference. So imagine if that was what your life was like every day. You had no clean water. See, this is why I had to have you on the podcast because we got into it and we didn't even discuss this at the barbecue. Mm-hmm. This is a totally brand new topic, but a lot of yeah. it, I would say the majority of it was was based around children, especially the education system. Yes. And uh, one of the first things that you were talking about when you were uh, teaching down in Venezuela right. was uh, the fact that they had a program where you said, yeah, you can be in this program. You just got to be able to speak this you base, have to be this able base to level speak of English. English. Why, why don't you get into that? Because this goes into a lot of uh, curriculum that's yeah. uh, in the uh, current state I here. feel that it was probably very political because <clears throat> a lot of the teachers that they had coming in at the time that were teaching these programs that were not from South America were from the United States. And that this is during a time that like it was a very tumult it was very tumultuous politically in Venezuela. So I'm pretty sure the politics played into this policy that they had at some point mm-hmm. because they were at the time were trying to pull um aid from the US in. So that was kind of an incentive for other teachers in America that's that could teach English to come there and teach it. And they were also paying them very well. So mm-hmm. That they kind of made that at some point. I don't know if it's still like that now, but at the time they're like, if you're if you can speak English, you can go to college for free, which is unheard of because we don't we we just got free college in the state of New York, and you air quotes even that has stipulations mm-hmm. because you have to be taking the max credits, which is like I'm pretty sure now is 21 credits. That's a, that's an absurd amount of credits. That's like seven classes. Yep. So that's more than like people who are getting doctorate degrees. They're not taking seven mm-hmm. cl- seven classes at a time. So for them, that was a big incentive. So when I was teaching over there, I noticed that the <clears throat> kids were f- fascinated by like just the sound of the English language and like how words, how learned, how words are used together because it's very different from Spanish. And in Spanish, the way that we speak is like backwards. Mm-hmm. So they're like fascinated like wow i could really how do you say something like i have one kid edgar i'll never forget this kid this he was like a little tiny i'm pretty sure he was no more than eight years old and he would come in with a legal pad every day and be like miss i want to learn how to use all these words today every day and he sincerely meant it and he put forth his very best effort to learn how to use all the words that he came in with in a sentence every day. Every day at the end of the day, he'd be like, tomorrow I'll have new words and I want to know those words tomorrow. And he did that every day for the whole time that I was there. And when I found out like the backstory of this kid's life, that he was like, the mom was working like four jobs. There was no dad. Um, He had other siblings that were working. He was living in a favela. The favelas are like, you've never seen poverty until you've seen like what favelas are like like it's the the idea that this kid was living life there every day but was excited to come in to learn how to use 20 words in the sentence in english blew my mind so i'm like they don't what do you think that came from or do you think it was you think it was just him or all the kids had the same that was so using the words in a sentence was his big thing Mm -hmm. but all the kids were like, I want to learn this. I want to learn this. I want to learn this. I'd never seen so many kids that were like intrinsically motivated to learn. Not like, you know, we use a lot of things to buy them into the things that we're doing, like mm-hmm. incentives and you get points and things like that. They were just like, yo, you're going to teach me? What you going to teach me? You're going to teach me forever. I don't care about the points. I don't really, just... <laughs> I don't need no points. I don't need no points. Just come and teach me stuff. And they teach me stuff for like five hours. Every day. And they, to the point that it felt like 
that takes some of the edge off of you because it doesn't feel like this arduous task that you're mm-hmm. doing. Because sometimes teaching a subject that you that you know kids don't really want to learn is it feels arduous. You don't you feel like you're doing the most to try to give them basic information, and the kids were it's like, "It's like you're trying to force the vegetables in their mouth." They're just, just uh, like, just like you, Warren. I just, don't want it. No, turning the head away, swatting. It's nasty. So the kids, it was it was a complete night and day difference from what i experienced being here that's what really brought me into teaching in the first place but in places like that having a basic grasp of like english is a major window to opportunity for those people they have access to jobs they would not have access to they have access to free education they have access to better medical care because they can better advocate for themselves when they only are limited to to Spanish when they have doctors that are from the United States that are giving them treatment. So that's like a window of opportunity for them. And I think a lot of the kids really saw it. And I also think the, the, the agency that we went through really pushed the kids to like use this opportunity because we don't know when something like this will happen for us again. Mm -hmm. So they really took that and ran with it. And these were like really, some of them are really young kids. And that really made me be like, I really want to be a part of something like this. But when I, when I started teaching in, in New York, (laughs) Go for that it. was like a whole nother because like I said, the kids there, they don't really understand the long term, especially that age group. Since I've always I've mainly taught middle school, that part of their brain is still developing. So they don't really understand that, like the steps that you take now affect you later. Excuse me. So they don't they don't really get like why they're doing what they're doing or why you're in school or why you're learning certain things. But they're that, just like you're forcing the, me to be here. But that kid, uh, correct me, uh, you said that the one who wanted to uh, use these ten words every single day on the yes. legal pad, he was eight years old. You he was said eight years old, way younger than the kids that I have now. So that's just the, their their value system there in in South America, specifically mm-hmm. in Venezuela, was completely different than the value mm. system that we have here especially in the neighborhoods that I teach in. I've always made it a point that I always teach in quote unquote the hood. Mm. And that for me is important just because I grew up in a neighborhood like that. And it was only because of other caring adults that were like, you're, you don't have to live like this. Like you don't have to get caught up in the system, blah, blah, especially being a person of color. Like that's a part of your life every day, especially Mm. if you're working in those neighborhoods. So all the neighborhoods that I've all the neighborhoods I've worked in have been like that, and they're like the poverty is a big thing, um, opportun- lack of opportunity is a big thing, lack of healthy food is a big thing, lack of resources is a big thing, and I always the the kids there don't really understand the severity of the situation because of just seeing it every day. After a while, you're just like, this is just what life is like. Mm. They don't mm-hmm. really understand that like this does not have to be your life if you don't want it to be your life. And there's they don't compound it with the fact that they're in the seventh grade. They don't care about like in eight years or in nine years or in ten years. They care about like Fortnite. All the kids care about right now is Fortnite. <laughs> Literally. If I said Fortnite oh, in my is, classroom, this is a time capsule right pandemonium. here. Pandemonium. <laughs> yeah, this is a time capsule right here for you. Literally. Boy. My co my co teacher asked a kid yes on Friday, um, how do you play Fortnite? When I tell you the kids literally lost it, like they were like, Oh my god, you don't know how to play Fortnite? Get out, leave, leave, leave the room, miss, leave, leave. And I'm like, Is it really that serious? Is it that deep? 
it's that popular. It's, That's what I would say. I don't, I just don't. And, and I, I, I am like, I was a big, I was a big gamer when I was younger. And once I started teaching, oh, you yeah, I grew up on like, this is very simple then. Have you played first person shooters? Yeah. Uh, have you played where, uh, which ones have you played? I played, um, call of duty. I used to be obsessed with call of duty. Oh, simple. Just think of call of duty where, uh, you know how it's usually like team versus team. And then after like the objective is completed either you defeat everyone on the other yeah. side or you get something then the yeah. round stops and it starts over it's just like that it's another mini game it's it's a battle royale where it's every oh, every person okay. for themselves oh I hate so you those. start out with 16 no nope. and you go until there's only not one sole me. survivor not and then it me. just starts over nope not for me That's let me tell you right is. now i was never the person you wanted to be on your team because <laughs> i was never good at any <laughs> of them games <laughs> i really enjoyed being a part of the game being on the team and feeling like i'm doing something yeah but low-key you don't want chloe on your team <laughs> chloe can't really help you that much and if it's if it's awful if it's if it's everybody for themselves understand i'm taking nothing but l's i'm not winning at all i'm at the bottom people people are in my comments calling me a noob like that's the person that i am all the time there's like eight-year-olds dragging me like it's that serious so i love that you brought that expression up taking l's I'm, that's literally all that it was for me it as as <laughs> as, as hilarious as your situation is with with taking L's, a lot of people have to learn how to take an L, man. Yeah, and I feel like that you know games definitely Ooh. helped me to like, okay, humble yourself, mm. <laughs> calm down. You're not mm -hmm. you're not really made like that. Relax, because I I am a person that like talks real big, and every time I'm and I'll, I'll talk real big and know, and I'm like, yeah, this is not gonna go well for you. So you might as well just hype it. <laughs> One of the first time I ever heard the expression taking take the L, uh, I think I was listening to. Uh, talk radio and, and patrice o'neill yeah. was uh feeling <laughs> yeah, questions about like relationships and mm -hmm. after he heard this one story about like this guy and how this <laughs> girl was treating him he was just like he goes man just take the l just take the l just just you just gotta learn how to take gotta the learn l. how to take the l especially in, <laughs> in the relationship yep. you're gonna take yep. a lot of l's <laughs> anyway <laughs> as we've transitioned from that to that right. we were uh, i'll bring you i'll bring you back Fortnite. <laughs> Fortnite. Go ahead. That is literally the oh. obsession of the moment. Mm. So, like I said, I try to pull outside things into build um to build on things with the kids. So that's the thing they're like obsessed with. But that that's literally like that's the you, that's the mind of a seventh grader. All we, they think about did, is snacks and, and Fortnite. We did actually get into this. That there's a. It's not Fortnite by itself. It's, right. Fortnite is a um is the product of the result of learning how oh, to uh, when you talk media. about of, of social media and gaming and addictive behavior and the all their devil. marketing research and knowing what it takes to you know what i mean i even had that conversation with my kids when they were when i tried to i'm trying really it, it's it's really hard it's like an uphill battle that i'm on right now with trying to to foster like a, a love of literacy with the kids that I have because everything now is especially for them academically is literacy based so mm. even the kids that are good in math if you cannot read you're not good in math because you we have to do about this. yeah you're one student they have who, to do word based yeah I have a kid and I had this kid who he's like so good with like technology or whatever but his he has very poor fluency and comprehension with reading so this was the one you were talking about where uh you had a open email policy for um help with yes. any type of school work and yes. go ahead go into that completely abused it made me regret <laughs> oh, <that. no. laughs> made, made me regret that i ever said that and i was like well i should have definitely took this shit back i don't know why i said i was gonna do that so 
I let him email me. Mm-hmm. I let all the kids email me in case they needed something, which now is like a very common practice in yes. a lot of schools. The teacher has a teacher email. And if you like say the kid is out and they have homework, okay, this is the assignment. You need to email it to me by this time, whatever. So it's effective, but the kids have no concept of like email etiquette at all. They just, they, they just, they just write, they just type how they talk. <laughs> The, the texting language and everything, right? Literally drives me insane. It makes me want to die. What, what was one of the sentences? He was like, Miss, capital letters. First of all, the whole thing was in all caps. Oh, and I'm no. like, why is he oh, yelling? No. Why is he yelling? I don't understand. <laughs> Who are you talking to like that? Like, why are you yelling? Like, we the same, like, we friends. You need to calm down. So the whole thing was in, was in caps. Miss, awesome. Miss. I'm pretty sure he meant to put a comma, but he put a semicolon. And uh-huh. kids kids and punctuation, they just sprinkle punctuation everywhere. They don't know what you're doing, where it goes, or why. They just be like, mm, semicolon, that sounds good. Let's put that right there. You don't nice. even know what that's for. So, miss semicolon. Immediately, as soon as I saw that, I was like, this is about to be downhill. <laughs> oh, I no. Um, should, should I read the rest? Or should I be like, <laughs> don't even talk to me until you can redo it? Mm-hmm. Miss semicolon, can you, letter you, the letter U, not Y O U. The letter U, capital U. Send me, M I, not me, not M E, M I. Wow. The T H A. Okay. Homework, but it was H W, not the whole word homework. <sighs> and then please, and then please was P L Z. I literally was like, I excuse me, I have to lay Whoa. down and die now. Wow. I can't handle this. <laughs> Like, mm. and my degree is in English, yeah, so that I was about- that actually, I actually felt just the thought alone. I'm literally having like palpitations, like <laughs> physical pain. Could not deal with. And it. obviously, this is to demonstrate the the as you were talking about. You're you're here to promote the love of literacy. Right. So please go on with that. So, so I I um responded to his email as rewrite your email in with correct conventions and complete sentences and appropriate capitalization and then i'll consider helping you Mm -hmm. couldn't do it next day the kid comes back to class and i told him have you never written a professional email before have you never seen how a professional email should be written and he said no so i was like that means that no one in here Oh no! Has seen one before. Especially, he's a smart. He's a bright kid too. Super so. smart. He's like the. He's like the. He's like the resident at the time, like the resident tech person. So anytime anything went wrong with like my smart board doesn't work, um, my speakers don't work, it was go get him. Mm-hmm. That was like his job. So I'm like, this is a travesty that this kid literally is doing the work that some of these adults in this building that are paid to do this cannot do. But he does not know proper conventions in a sentence, in a, in a basic sentence, or mm-hmm. the fact that he's sending it to a teacher so it should look a certain way. That mm-hmm. went completely over his head. So I'm like, I asked, I stopped, stopped my whole class, stopped my whole class from what we were doing. This is also during, they were going to have the state test. So this is during test prep. So I'm like, which is very stressful for them. So and they also push the educators to like spend as much time test prepping, test prepping. So mm. stop my whole class. And I did the same thing in the after school I was teaching after. 
stop the whole class because I talked to my co-teacher about it at the time and I'm like this is a problem <laughs> so I'm like who in here has written a professional email and knows what a professional email looks like nobody raised their hand and then I have one of the kids who was a bubble kid a bubble kid is a kid that we refer to as the a kid that is a high performing a high performing student so academically behaviorally that kid is in a bubble outside of how the other kids are performing interesting so the bubble kid in the class was like you're supposed to do blah 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 i'm like okay show me so i put it on the um smart board and i had the kid type out say that you're asking me for an extension for something type it out and how would i how would you send it and it was okay it wasn't mm-hmm. the best and i asked the kids as they're doing it, what's wrong? What do I not like here? And they're like, I don't know. I'm like, we have to stop. No, we mm-hmm. have to. I had to. I had to do a whole lesson in my after school on how to be professional and how to like send a professional email and what that looks like and what and like proper grammar and conventions. Because a lot of schools also today, they don't learn grammar and conventions anymore, mm-hmm. which I'm kind of like, what? How do you how do you have a school and you don't teach grammar or conventions? Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's considered assumed knowledge. So the curriculum assumes that the kid has already gotten it by the time they get to you. So there's no space in the time you have yeah. to yeah. teach them that. And the reality is most of them haven't gotten that. Mm-hmm. So, or if they have gotten it, they don't ever use it in real life. So that means by the time they get to you, it's broke. And a lot of that is because of social media and the internet, because they talk to each other, how they speak to each other mm-hmm. in real life. And there's no, there's no like push. <coughs> there's no push on social media to like use correct conventions or whatever. They just talk how, we, how we text basically. You know, I was, I was thinking about that as far as what else kind of promotes that along with uh, social media. Right. And because I, I think you would probably agree that for uh, a great sense of literacy, you have to, be, you have to read a lot. And not only, not only read a lot, but also read, uh, hopefully read really, quote, great, maybe even extraordinary works of, Appropriate, of, of, of yeah. literature. So, and then you look at the flip side of what they do outside of school or what, or what is heavily promoted, right? So They're th- playing. I'm, I'm not even talking about kids. I'm talking about just for society huh. uh, as a whole where you have Netflix and or whatever video streaming service you have. Mm-hmm. And, and there's literally promotes, a new one every other day. It promotes binge watching. Yep. So in other words, you could sit there and you for, you know, eight hours straight, mm-hmm. you can get this steady stream of... And I'm not going to lie, some of the, the series, like Breaking Bad or yep. whatever, uh, this episodic TV, are amazing, yep. amazing works of uh, art. Mario and I do that all the time on the weekends. Like, we went through, um, what is it? Mm-hmm. I can't think of it now. Um, Black Mirror. Oh, geez. We love that show. Woo. He was we, the one that turned me on to that. He one. was the one that put yeah. me on to the show because I never, I never oh, was stress inducing. Yeah, that is a stress inducing. He, he show. always puts me on to shows that I'm like I have to use my. I'm brain. surprised with you and your lack of, uh, not lack, but your 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 uh, not wanting to drink any coffee would, no. would have black mirror because that that's like a thousand it's times the worst anxiety. So stressful Ooh. to watch, but it's such a well made show that I mm-hmm. literally like. That's one of the shows that's like that that I'll make exceptions for. Mm-hmm. I also really like that the stories, you don't have to watch the whole series to know what's going yep. on because that is hard for me. A whole series to watch is a lot for me to swallow. But so. think about this now. 
what you just said, a whole series to watch. Let's say mm-hmm. it's going to be an eight-hour series, and it has not been recommended to you. You have no idea what it's about. Yeah. You don't know who the publisher is. You don't know, you know what I mean? Right. And it's a topic that people say, oh, it's a great topic. Right. Are you going to watch it? You Especially no... knowing that there's an eight to 12-hour investment in Exactly. It. Probably not versus nope. something where you know, all right, this is either something I relate to, it's interested something in. Something that I care about, I'm good. So you kind of think of it the same way of like reading. Now everything has yeah. slowed down. Now there's no flickering lights. There's nothing yeah. like, there's no action scene. There's no, there's nothing, there's pulling, no gratuitous humor There's scene. nothing pulling them, especially younger people. Mm-hmm. There's nothing really pulling them in to want to do it. And print is going out in almost every avenue. Like mm-hmm. magazines are going out. Newspapers mm-hmm. are going out. So print, even print books are going out. Yeah. Like it's most people that They're trying read to put books, it all onto e-readers. Oh, like well, the you can Kindle. read it on yeah. your tablet. You can read it. on. Guess what else you can do on a tablet? You can uh, not read. And then swipe and then go exactly. back to whatever game you exactly. want to play. And it's just not the same. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I read, I have a, I have an iPad I, and I read on it, but I've gotten out of reading on it because I find myself doing other things other than what I said I was going to do, which is read. Mm-hmm. Like even now, I just, I just this week started sleeping with my phone, like away from me. Like I don't, we sleep, were going over this too. I don't sleep just... with my phone like next to me in my, like, cause my bed has like a little ledge. I don't put my phone on my little ledge anymore. Mm-hmm. I started plugging it into the opposite wall in the mm-hmm. room. So when I plug my phone in, that means I'm not using my phone anymore for the night. So this is like a new thing. Cause I, I felt that I was becoming too like attached and even even the other things that i would be doing like i'm oh i could be like i read for my classes sometimes the night before like if i'm doing whole class novels i like to read whatever they're gonna talk about so i know like i can see um any misconceptions they might have any words that come up that they don't know and i'll do it so it's like an unwind part of my day so it doesn't feel like i'm doing work but i don't want to do it on my phone because then i'm going to be texting on instagram all the things i'm i don't really need to be doing at 10 o'clock think about the great works of literature that you've read Mm. or maybe even recently read Mm -hmm. what is it about let's say you were reading either a certain sentence a chapter (laughs) whatever it is the whatever rush you feel or the sense of accomplishment or the reaction that you have does it rival or surpass that of a movie or or an episode i would say that it's even better to be honest. And why why is that? Cuz I feel like when you have a book, you you have to it's a push to use your brain more. Mm-hmm. So the possibilities of what it could look like to you are literally endless because it's literally whatever your brain imagines mm-hmm. as you're reading something versus when you get um like say it's TV or a movie. You know, you get the spectacle of the lights and the pictures and all that and the and these companies are literally spending billions of dollars to make sure it looks that way, to pull you into buying it or watching it. So the production value is high. It's well done. But that's what you have now. Like you're boxed into that. That's what it is versus a book. You can literally imagine anything. Even when like when Harry Potter was a thing, they, and that was one of the books that kid the the kids love reading that series that rolling jk rolling she did it right she got she them knew, reading 700 she page knew books. what she was doing and those books are like the one of them is like equal to like the bible like yeah. it has as many pages yep. in it so 
the kid but that's one of the books that the, a, there's like a pocket of kids that really really love that series and i even have when they before some of them have never seen the movies because that's a little bit before their time now so i'll tell them like read the book first then watch the movie and then decide if what you imagined is as good as mm. what you actually saw and a lot of the kids have come back to me and been like the the movie was good but i feel like the book was better because i just feel like my idea was better it's like a push to use your own brain and your own imagination so even like i'm reading i'm reading the giver right now because i'm that's the first whole class novel i'm teaching mm -hmm. and um the first half of it is really, really slow. Like, and I, I literally almost gave up because I'm like, yeah. I could audio book this and be done in a couple of hours. See? So, and I wasn't, you know, it, it's not, it's not as stimulating as, and there's a movie and I'm like, I could watch the movie, but I'm like, let me not do that because mm -hmm. things might be different also in the, in the book than the movie. I didn't want to give the kids misinformation because I'm being lazy. So, so I'm i'm like yeah. let me let me read it for real so you let me know as an english major if, if my if my uh, uh view on this is too uh, simplified of it sure. i'm just basically thinking that uh you know media visual media netflix etc etc mm -hmm. versus uh literature literature has to find a way to do quote do better it kind of feels like that now because there's some there has to be like a push the way just like there's a push for entertainment on demand now because that's really what it is it's entertainment whenever you want wherever you want it's portable you can watch it on your phone and it's literally as engaging if you're watching it on tv at home there has mm -hmm. to be an equal push for books to be not even as entertaining or as fun but just to be that compelling for someone to want to to and some books are also also are uh, in terms of money it's some contribution like I bought a book. It was a it was a DL Hughley book. I think it's I, <laughs> how how to not how that to not get awesome. how yeah. to not get shot by the cops or something like uh -huh. that. And it was basically his commentary around mm -hmm. like white America and how white America perceives how us as people of color yes. have to behave in order to not be in the line of fire by police. And it was sure. I, I read the cover and I was like I'm buying it. Mm -hmm. It's forty dollars. I'm like this is forty dollars for a book. And it wasn't like a real big book. It's probably because of his name too. It's forty dollars. Yeah, you know, names are attached to it. You pay more, so it's not, like in some of these other like apps and stuff that you can watch TV on. They're five dollars. And not and not only so, that, as as you said, like here's a whole. I'm, I'm sure he's got great commentary right. on that specific topic. But then on YouTube, you can probably yep. put that same thing so, in so and just see major so time contribution. As an adult, you think, do I really have time to? In fact, there's a new uh, an acronym on the internet now. TLDR, which you've seen, right? What is TLDR? Have you seen that? What is that? Have you seen that? Though? No. What's T TLDR? TLDR. It's usually uh, written at the end of, like, let's say someone's commenting. Yeah. or It literally means too long didn't read. Are you serious? I shit you not. <laughs> Yo, this has been going on for y'all are really out five here tripping. Y'all really on one right now. <laughs> like I'm, This is making you nuts, right? Even though I have seen some posts and I'll be like... TLDR at the at the end means that if you didn't read this, here's here's a little summary. And I That's guarantee crazy. you that people when they see like this wall of text, wow. they immediately try to look for or they or people first reply is TLDR. That's to crazy. literally just say, I can't invest time into reading three paragraphs as opposed to people who usually throw in like a quip. 
see i have i have looked at some posts on instagram or like online and i'll be like girl i hope you didn't think i was gonna read all of this because i'm not gonna read it all but and that's why they say tldr i just but i didn't know that was like a thing that people were like yeah everybody's out here not reading you know what's even crazier now not only do they have tldr they have tldw too long to what too long didn't watch oh my god so y'all can't even use your eyes now yeah if they see like if they see an eight minute video as opposed to a minute you know even eyes are too much now you're like wow this is when you talk about since we're getting on attention spans and like trying to hold the attention span and trying to that's a part of the problem again and this is all stomach stemming from what you just said of just trying to promote literacy that's a part of the problem because Mm -hmm. we as adults now even have way shorter attention spans than we once did Mm -hmm. There's, there's like whole studies and research, research that says that our attention span is going down because of the access we have to like visuals in the internet and in the news and social media and all of that. Like, and, one, and one of the reasons why I've, when it started, when I started doing the podcast, I thought it was going to be one thing and it's turned into this. Right. I love this because how long do you think we've been going right now? What did it feel like? Let me just ask. What I don't did, know. What did it, it didn't feel, feel like? like it's been that long. It's probably been like an hour though. Yeah. But what did it feel like? before it's only it does it's feel like i've been sitting here for like maybe 10 minutes max it's been an hour Mm -hmm. you know so this is this is something where where you know it's a phenomenon of like quote being in the zone right but when you're dedicated to something that you You go into the zone you go into a zone and it's almost like a uh like a time uh uh compression type of phenomena where it's been an hour, but it's felt like. But 10 you minutes. don't feel that way. Yeah. That's that's what I'm trying to get. Go for it. My kids to be on now with like reading because I I've always been a big reader. Like I was a kid in I was a kid that like this. I'm really exposing myself. I don't know why I'm telling you. This. I when I was a kid used to read and I used to hide books under my bed and I would wait until my whole family thought I was asleep and I would just be reading under my bed all the time. Oh, because of bedtime, right? Yeah, because I'm like, and I had <laughs> I had very strict, like, old school like, and my grandparents raised me predominantly, so like, old school black parenting you go to sleep when I say you're going to sleep and that, that's, that's really the end and there's nothing else. Mm. So I'll be like, okay, good night, go yep. into my room it's like 9 o'clock, I have I have books shoved in my pillowcase so I could read mm. and to the point that my grand my parents and my my grandparents started like checking my bed when I went to sleep to see I know you got books in there empty the pillowcase let me ask you a question mm-hmm. specifically uh, and do you think that instead of books that if you had yourself your phone I wouldn't I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be you think you would have went for the phone as opposed to the books or what do you think if I had a phone the way that kids now have phones yeah. I don't even think I would be the person I am now there probably. you go okay go on just because that is what made me my own love of learning is what made me want to teach other kids to have that mm. because you know I was when I was a kid reading was a part was made a part of my day like even outside of school like I went to school knowing how to read Mm -hmm. so I didn't go to school and learn how to read Mm -hmm. I I read independently at home like for leisure and it was something that my grandparents pushed me to do you know I had a really had a really big vocabulary for my age I always have how did your grandparents push you my grand my grandmother forced me to read every night two hours a day so if I wanted to watch tv for an hour, it was every two. It was two hours of reading for every one hour of television. So I had to read 
two hours a day to get one hour of TV every day. So if you add up your time when you get home, I was getting out of school like three o'clock. I bartered with my parents for one to one ratio. <laughs> Literally, one, one hour of one Never. hour of reading for one hour of video games. Mm. That was mine. <laughs> and then, then once I got onto like um video games, it was like okay, so now it's two hours of reading for one hour of game playing. Interesting. And that's it. And if mm-hmm. you don't do it, you you're not getting it. That's it. So that kind of at the time, I was like, I don't want to read, but I started to really. And when I, once I really engaged in it, you couldn't stop me from reading. Like mm-hmm. my, like I said, kids that were like hiding to watch TV, I was hiding to read, like hiding to read extra books and reading my grandmother's books that I wasn't supposed to read and all types of stuff. That's interesting. You you put it at first that you didn't want to read at first, even though they no, were, because they were everybody. What, what do you what do you think got you over the hump? Well, my grandparents, like I said, were like very. N- no nonsense so i felt like i have to do this so i'm gonna do it and that once i started to take it more seriously and look at it as not something that i would was being forced to do and it was also helping me so i saw that it was helping me like when i was in school i i could see that there was a clear difference between my comprehension and the other comp the other kids comprehension in class Hmm. And okay. I and I, I went through all my life being an A student, and I I 110 know it's because they put yes. that in me yeah, at yeah. home. Like you have to take, you have to read. That I know that was like the foundation of me doing well in school, literally all of my life, wow. because they forced me to have that foundation. And I'm not a strong um, math person. I can barely add. <laughs> I tell the kids all the time mm-hmm. in class, like, if you have a question, if it's about math, don't ask me. That's I why it's called help an you. English major. I tell them all the time. English major. I'm like, sweetie, English. my degree is in English. <laughs> so I don't know what you came over here with numbers for. Even <laughs> even when we had, um, we have, um, we train before um, school starts and we do, we get to practice the lessons that we're going to give. And I was in like a, a model math lesson and the teacher who was a coworker was doing the lesson. I was just sitting there like, girl, I hope you don't think I'm really doing this because I don't. I don't, I can't add, like, she asked me to come to the board. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you, hold on. I didn't, I didn't. Not on the, not in front I'm of like, everyone. Yo, I'm like, yo, <laughs> I literally was like, yo, chill, 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 chill. You're wilding, you're wilding right now. I don't know how to do this. I don't, I'm at the board, like, this is not going well. I don't yeah. even know what you call me up here for. I'm grown, I'm a grown ass woman. What are you doing out here? So that was never my thing. Mm-hmm. So ang- I had to offset the the weaknesses I had in math with English. Yes. So and then that eventually helped me to get better in math because everything now when when I was in like middle school and high school that's when they were taking a turn and making everything like um word based questions yes so word that problems. helped me because mm-hmm. I saw kids that were way better in math than me that were failing math because they cannot read mm-hmm. you can't read you can't do anything yeah. now so yeah. that kind of for I could see like this is actually kind of paying <laughs> off let me take it a little bit more seriously and that's what I try to give the kids. Even as hard as it is for them to really understand and appreciate it right now, I'm like, if you cannot read, there are so many things in life that are going to be a problem for you. Like, and and it's easier to get better at reading if you if you read something that you enjoy reading versus something that you're forced to read. If you if you go into um, when I read books about like patterns about learning, 
and especially like motivation behind mm -hmm. even starting to pursue something. It's either one of two things. Either you're trying to get away from a negative stimuli, right? Like punishment or pain, mm -hmm. or you're headed towards a positive stimuli. Right. Oh, this thing is a lot of fun. This mm -hmm. thing is, it makes me feel, feel great. And it kind of sounds, and I think what a lot of people have been getting wrong is that they think there's this one answer to obviously everything yeah. and it's contextual because it, in your case, it really mm -hmm. sounds like it started with the getting away from negative stimuli because right. your parents were telling you. Mm -hmm. And then also a little bit, again, getting away from negative stimuli because as you, you just subconsciously started getting better at it. Right. And you saw other kids were, were suffering in school and you're like, oh, wow, what I, I'm doing is actually helping me. And right. then you started realizing what the positive stuff is in you yeah, I'm and like, it, it started reorienting really, you towards that i could really get good at a bunch of stuff so you actually I could, pursued it as opposed to uh, i'm being right disciplined in order to do as so. opposed to like pushing against something that you're yeah, forced yeah, yeah. to do so and that's a lot of the messaging they get in school is which is another thing that i enjoy about teaching now in like 2018 like you have to give rationale for the things that you're asking them to do mm -hmm. so you can't just no long there is no more do this because I said you're supposed to do this. Yeah. When a kid asks you why, you have to have a reason. And if you don't have a reason, you can't ask them to do it. And I tell that to the kids I have all the time. Like, if I'm ever doing something and I don't have a reasoning behind it, I expect you to check me. Because what I'm doing is supposed to be purposeful. So if I'm not, which is why I don't give them things that I feel like are not going to actually help them. I don't mm -hmm. give them work for the sake of doing work. I'm giving them things to do that's going to actually build build their build the muscle of their brain and if it's not going to do that i don't want to do it have you ever had anyone uh challenge you yep. on let's say like this is the purpose <laughs> of why i'm showing you this yep go into I've it i've had i've had a, i've had a adult supervisors challenge me okay. and i've had children challenge what me. Did, how did the children the uh, children will be like um they have to do independent reading independent reading now is a part of most curriculums no matter what mm -hmm. school you're in so they have a certain amount of time a day they have to read independently without any noise any anything mm -hmm. um and i have a i had a kid that would literally be f fake reading in class fake reading is like you're staring at the book but the pages ain't, <laughs> pages ain't turning your face yep. ain't move nothing really happening he's thinking about Fortnite. <laughs> i'm like he's sitting there thinking about the cheat code he gonna put in Fortnite that's gonna, <laughs> that's gonna blow all y'all away but he didn't know that i knew i repeat that he wasn't really reading so i go over to him one day and i'm like how long are you gonna keep reading fake reading the same book you've been reading this book for two weeks so you just gonna keep lying to me or what and he was like i don't understand why i have to read anyway hmm. i'm in school all day why do i have to read independently i'm like ah oh, okay i'm like okay i'm like Inter interesting challenge so i was like prove that you don't need it he's like what do you mean i'm like if you don't need to read prove it that means hmm. what what are your grades looking like right now let's check and see what your grades look like so i went to the um went on my computer to pull up his grades and he was not, he academically was not doing well, but it was because of his attitude, not because of his aptitude. Sure. So I was like, look like your grades are looking kind of shaky right now. <laughs> so prove, tell, tell me more about how you don't need to read. And he was like, well, what does, he was like, oh, well, I'm not doing well in science and math. I'm like, he's like, what does science and math have to do with reading? reading? I'm like, mm. Funny that you asked me that question. What was your homework for tonight? I know what the homework is, mind you. Oh, we had to do this worksheet. Take the worksheet out. Pull the worksheet out. It's two-point responses for um, 
um, number stories. Number stories is like a word problem. Mm -hmm. I'm like, so you think that your reading has nothing to do with math. Meanwhile, your whole entire paper is reading. He can say anything. So I'm like, okay. So you're reading independently because if you cannot read, you cannot do any of this work. Mm -hmm. And the reason why you're struggling is not because you can't do it. It's because your fluency and reading is not where it needs to be. Because I can see on you as a student that you know what to do when somebody shows you. When you have to read, you don't know what to do. And you need to fix that before you go to the next grade because your con the concepts you're learning are going to be way more difficult than they are right now. And I have to help you to fix it. So this is how you're going to fix it. And the day that you have straight A's with me, you will no longer have to read independently with me. So get a straight mm -hmm. A and then we'll talk about it. He's like, nah, you lying, miss. No way you're going. I'm like, I'm, I would never lie to you. So what do you think you, you were lying about? He was like, nah, you, you, I know they, I know they tell you, y'all have to make us read. I know you, I know you have to make us read. I'm like, ain't nobody here is me and you. That's, that's between me and you. If, if, if me, if you and I have an understanding and that this is what you're going to do while you're here, that is me and your business. And if I have to take the heat from that from somebody else, so be it. But if you can come in here with straight A's, you're good. Mm. Until you do, don't ever come in here and ask me why you have to read. Interesting. you're not where you need to be right now interesting challenge but as you said though it was it was more like a kind of like an attitude based he felt like well a lot of uh, he had an issue that a lot of kids have which is like when you tell them they have to do something they don't want to do it if they gotcha. were to do it to take it upon themselves to do it it would be fine mm. but because you as an authority figure are saying do this in this time they're like nah i'm good mm, i got you you know and, you just you just reminded me of uh how i even though I took like 13 years classical piano, because you know that's yeah, that's, that's right. I, for me as uh, you know in, How in my is ethnicity. That? That's uh, hey, I wanted to do karate and play baseball. They shoved me in front of a piano. How do you think it was? <laughs> anyway, they had a practice. The teacher gave me a practice chart. Mm. Oh, yeah. And you know what that is? Every time you finish half an hour of practice, you yeah. know, exit out Check for the, you know Monday, Tuesday, whatnot through through the thing, and then so, you know I, I, I would do it just like. All right, by Friday comes, just look at my chart, just... Nobody can see me prove you know, it. And then obviously in my, in my performance, it was it was very right. apparent. And it was just... I think my parents went with the... Uh, they read something somewhere in the New York Times or whatever. Oh, you know, kids who are very good at music tend to be much better in yeah. school. And so, of course, like, yeah, let's just, let's just let's throw just do you that. in that. And uh, I also had uh, cousins who uh one of them was already like on a full ride to princeton back in the back in the day and shout she, out to her cause... and she was and she was uh, uh a phenomenal piano player mm. so my dad was like oh you going Yo, to princeton but... we getting you a free ride that's free money you ain't leaving no free money on this table that you don't pay for no you won't so the long story short was that it, mm. obviously it was it was something i i i got proficient at it i got very proficient at it but that's you know 13 years spent you know hammering on something eventually i'm gonna yeah. something's gonna sink in just kind of like when you when you <laughs> when your parents were saying you gotta yeah. read some of it sub subconsciously uh, gets into you yeah it didn't take then, me that long but it definitely works over time and then one one day and and i've mentioned this before my friend gave me uh it was in it was in freshman year junior high uh, uh, a Metallica tape. Mm -hmm. I heard Metallica for the first time. My eyes shot wide open, and world. I went, "I went, what the fuck is this?" A whole new world. 
And then, you know, like, like I said, oh, what do you want for your birthday? I want a guitar. Mm-hmm. And my dad's like, oh, boy. Oh, shit. And you go, and, <laughs> but back to the subject, you mm-hmm. go from 10 years plus of practice. Right. <sighs> I don't, I don't want to do it. Exa- instead of, instead of, uh, you know, go to bed and you sneaking up for books, right. it would be like, can't get me to go to bed because mm-hmm. I'm still playing guitar. All right. It, unplug exactly. the guitar, just play on an unplugged guitar just to keep trying to practice. And just That's listening, listening to lots and lots and lots of my favorite mm-hmm. bands. Different. Once you find something that stimulates you specifically that's most that's half of 75 percent of the the battle is that and most of the time that's that's why i push with the reading to find something that you like because if you're reading something you don't care about you're not gonna care about reading at all or it works into the favor of whatever they they uh really like at the time Mm -hmm. such as let's say science right or computer especially the the technology kid the kids that have sports they got books on sports i'm like yo i have i have they have all these little stories all the boys the only books they ever want to read are like amazing stories basketball you could even start them out small probably like uh you you know what really because i'm not a uh, basketball player that's the one sport i didn't really follow (laughs) Just mainly because at the time, everyone when I was growing up, everyone was a Bulls fan. But that's right. because Jordan was just yeah, because he was he everyone. was killing the whole game. So that's best of all times. And then literally. just made it boring for me. In any case, what I didn't know though was that pre that time mm-hmm. was the whole uh, uh, Detroit Pistons Bulls yeah. uh, rivalry, and I saw the documentary on mm-hmm. uh, on the on the Detroit Pistons, and then I read about. Here's the thing. You talk about reading versus mm-hmm. viewing the thing. I saw the whole uh, uh, topic about it, and they had they glanced over the part where uh, it took Jordan three tries in the playoffs to finally beat the Pistons. Mm. And then one of the and each year he like would hit the weight room, and they only glanced over that. Mm-hmm. And then I read about an article that some guy just. Huge, it long out. article mm-hmm. on his training regimen, and I just sat there enamored of that. And then I back uh, went back even further of like how like how did Jordan right. become as good as he was, or was this always his thing, his driving motivation? It talked about how he he came in uh, to Bulls practice one, yep. one day, and someone was there earlier than him, yep. so he stayed longer than him. And then the next day, he showed up at half an hour earlier. The mm. other guy tried to. It they eventually got to each the, other. They, it got to the point where where he was coming into the into the gym four thirty in the morning, four yeah. o'clock in the morning before, way before anyone. Outrageous! Just just to just to prove his point that mm-hmm. I am that I am the best. And that was from reading. That was it. from reading that. I read that and I, I and I got so fucking pumped. Blows up. your mind. It, it inspired me. It pumped me up. I'm, and and I loved the, yep. the feeling that it, that it gave me. So you know you, books, you talk well, about your sports can, people. Books can give you that like. We have like I'm. I chose the book this year. I teach an intervention class. Intervention class is for kids that are like on the cusp of being under grade level or they're below grade level. And intervention is basically concentrated time with them to to the whole idea is you have a certain amount of time to move those kids to the next level quickly. Mm-hmm. So you have a bunch of kids that either are below grade level or um like on the cusp of being on grade level. That's the one that I'm teaching. There's different tiers. There's tiers where the kids are severely under grade level. Mm. There's tiers where they're like, okay, but you can push them to be better. So I'm like midway with the tier that I'm teaching. So I'm doing a book club. Book club, I chose the book already. 
as I read the book last year at another school. Um, it's about this kid who lives in the hood and he, he thinks basketball is his sport, but he starts running track for this coach who, um, it's basically almost like a debt that he was working off. So, um, he ends up, he got into a fight with one of the kids on his coach team, his, his, um, his track team. Mm -hmm. And, um, he, as part of his punishment, he ends up having to race one of the kids and he finds out he's the, the coach sees he's hella fast. Mm -hmm. So he wants him to come run track for him. So this is, this becomes this kid's escape from like the shitty neighborhood he's living in, yes. the circumstances of his life. His dad left him when he was younger because he was like abusive, abusive to him and his mother. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, there's like a twist in there. I'm forgetting, but um that this is his, we'll, leave, we'll leave that for people to yeah. read it's a really good it's a good book for like it's an easy read the The story is appealing to different ages but it's an easy it's a fairly easy read for like a middle schooler but mm -hmm. it's it's still not too babyish for them so when i want a kid to read something of substance about sports because a lot of the books about sports are good but they're not they're to me not rigorous enough for what i'm trying yes. to get them to do yes so I chose that book because I'm like, I had a lot, I have a lot of boys in my intervention this first round. So I'm like, if I choose, and I was the first teacher to get to choose a book. So all the intervention teachers in seventh grade are reading this book. So I'm like, if I choose a book that's trash, the kids are going to drag me in this class. <laughs> like mm -hmm. it's going to feel like it's really long and mm -hmm. intervention almost anybody that teaches it doesn't want to teach it because the books that are like pre-leveled for them are trash. Yeah. They're like things i had to read a book I, I chose a book about peppers once for an intervention class and that was like the best one i could find like about like the scoville scale and how hot different peppers are and i was like thankfully it was smaller it was it was fifth grade so it wasn't as bad but in my mind i'm like they are not gonna give a single fuck about any of these peppers in this book and you forcing me to come here with them at 7 45 in the morning to teach them yep. about peppers how is that gonna work tell me more no. so I was able to choose this book and I'm like, the kids will love it. It will be able to pull them in. And it also is rigorous enough for me to break down, um, break down the issues that they're having and kind of give them concentrated time to work on that. So it's just about finding things that works for them. You can't just choose, you know, anything off of a shelf and be like, oh yes, love this book. They have to care. You know, what just popped in my mind just because everyone started freaking out when you were talking about Fortnite. Oh my God. Just imagine now promoting Sun Tzu's Art of War <laughs> and, 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 and telling them you're going to read this. If I could get a kid to read that book. And say, actually, say that this is a strategy guide for Fortnite. This just came to my mind. Like, I'm going to see if I can get one of my bubble kids to read that book yeah and see if he could like pull out that that's like a, a report, strategy and write a report about how the how the strategies here can be used um uh to play fortnite and the kid that i'm thinking of loves fortnite so yep. i'm like yeah i could see and I'll, I'll i'll incentivize that for him to get some extra um they do merits at my school so they get merits for things they do right they get demerits for consequences and the kids get prizes over time for once they have a certain amount of merit so they get like trips and pizza parties and all that type of stuff mm -hmm. so um um because you have to just kind of like distill a little bit of a of, of fortnight of there's there's several layers you can probably attack it from because since i'm a big programming geek as well too oh yeah you probably have people who 
they don't like the competition aspect of Fortnite, but like one of the aspects is that you can like build yes. stuff. And I just have, build, 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 yeah, build, that, build. That was one of the kids that was like, yes, you can make whatever you want and you can make anything look like this and look like that. So that would be, that would be such a good book for a kid to use for something. I'm definitely doing it. I'm doing it. Sure. I'm doing it. Go for it. I'm doing it. I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell him that you told me to do that. <laughs> I'm definitely doing it. But the, I, I I really like how that you are putting so much care and thought into not only uh, promoting of literacy, but also kind of running into all the, as you said, challenges. And you talked about you getting challenged by a student. You also said that you got challenged by uh, Uh, administration too. What do they do? A lot of the issues, see, this is the thing about me. Go for it. I feel like I am, obviously I am black. (laughs) But I am past the point in life and like past the point in my role as like a black woman in America that I don't go out of my way to make other people comfortable with the fact that I am black in the role that I have. So I don't do things to like mute that part of my life that also is a part of these kids lives. And there are a lot of other institutions that want you to do that so i don't hide the fact that they go through things in life because they're black and brown so so what do they do as far as this uh the actions that certain mute. things that they don't want you to talk about with the kids certain subjects they don't uh, they don't want you to address um and i have never ever adhered to that mm-hmm. so because of that i have gotten friction in some of the places that i've been mm-hmm. And I don't even think that it was necessarily, um, I think, I actually think that they were all well-meaning because you want to use your time in a classroom wisely. And once you start talking about certain things, you can diverge into a completely different subject that has nothing to do with what you're giving them that day. So I can understand why that would be a problem. But to me, it's more of a problem that they are actively, the, the kids that I teach, the kids in the hood are like actively persecuted for being black and brown children in the neighborhoods that they live in. And I feel like not telling them that is a disservice and I'm not going to be a part of anything that's like that. So what was a, a, a topic if you can get into one uh, yeah. as an example? Cause I don't work there no more. So it's cool. Oh, um, go for it. Awesome. <laughs> um, don't, don't tread carefully. Then. There's been <laughs> instances where there was a really, 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 really big, um, kind of controversy at a school that I was at around um, Black History Month. Okay. School did nothing for Black History Month, Mm. which to me was appalling because you are teaching... The school was in Harlem, 98% black children. And the kids that were um, Latinx had Afro roots. So there's black in them too. Mm -hmm. And you're not acknowledging an entire... This applies to them. And I'm like, there's so many ways that they could have done that to make this something that they could have really bought the kids into Mm -hmm. and made it something about someone other than like who they would have learned about like every year. When I was a kid, we always did Martin Luther King and um, Frederick Douglass, not to downplay the importance of those men and what they did for us as a people and what they did for this country. But there's so many other people that you could use to... um, by the kids into learning about themselves because a lot of the issues that they have when they're not here is because they don't really know where they came from at mm-hmm. all. 
And, you know, that's a whole nother story as to how that happened. But they don't really know themselves and they should have an out an outlet to have that because they are going to face issues in life that their other counterparts that don't look like them will not have. And you not telling them that is a major disservice to me in my mind. So I took time um, out of the class that I was. I spoke to my co-teacher about it and she was like, yeah, we could do it if you want. And um, I also did it in my um, after school to ha- to give the kids time. I took a block out that was supposed to be for something else. And I just mm-hmm. wanted to talk to them about um, like Black History Month or whatever. And this is also like on the heels of um, the election of Trump. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the kids had like real opinions and real feelings and, you know, what that was going to look like for them, what that meant for them. And I'm like, I'm not going to take that learning opportunity away from them. Sure. Because you don't feel that it's an appropriate time or place. When I'm like, when they spend more time here than they do at home, when will they learn if they don't learn here? And it's either that or Fortnite. And I'm like, it's either that or they're, they don't care because they like, I got cheat codes <laughs> that, that I can use today. And he don't even know that I'm about to blow him away. So it's either that or, you know, the, the Fortnite shit. And I'm like, Mm-hmm. there's just things that i'm not willing to compromise sure. as an educator now and i'm not afraid to let people that i am going to work with know that so they know off top with me i'm like i am super black 24 hours a day seven days a week and if i'm going to be working with black and brown kids which i have always worked with mm-hmm. teaching them i'm not gonna act like there's things that are outside of their locus of control that are actively holding them down mm-hmm. to some of the situations that some of them are living in the poverty that some of them are living in uh, the, the color of their skin has a lot to do with that mm. and you're not being upfront and honest if you are calling yourself someone who cares about those kids and you're acting like that's not a factor mm. to me you can't do both so i don't i don't i don't <laughs> i just do what i know or what I feel in my heart of hearts, those kids need to know, which is that there you need to you need to have your shit together, basically, because the outside world that you're going into does not actively care about you the way they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. And if you're not prepared, the world is going to beat you down first before anybody else does. They're living in neighborhood like the neighborhood I teach in now is. It's it's depressing to be in sometimes. If I'm being honest, like sure. the there's it, there's a lot of poverty. There's a lot of people that are addicted to drugs. There's a lot of and then there's a lot of normal people that are just regular people that work extremely hard to try to give their kids or their families the best that they can have. But it's really hard to raise a kid, a functioning kid, that is also black or that is also brown in that neighborhood. And I know that, so I'm not gonna. So with that in my mind, I don't go into any lesson and not draw some parallel that I could draw that's going to pull them in because that could be the difference between them getting it or not getting it because they need that. Like a, uh, not a wake up call, but just telling it what it is, what just telling it, what the the current situation is, even though they may just be like ignoring it or just like with the thing with the water when my, my, um, my co-teacher and that was i that was such a beautiful teaching moment i love that we were able to like it was completely unplanned we were able to like just bounce off of each other i love her i'm gonna i'm gonna tell her about this so she could listen to me so that i shouted her out but we were talking about the water and we could see that class is kind of sleepy they're they're also academically like when they come in in the morning they're Uh, very like it takes them about a good 20 minutes to like wake up 
basically. And then they're also academically a lot lower than the other class we have later in the day. Mm-hmm. So we we go into things with them knowing like, okay, we need to talk about this, 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 and this because they're not going to get it if I just give them this worksheet and be like, go do this worksheet. Yeah. Yeah. So we start talking to them about the water. And then I also had kids that were supposed to read the book over the summer that didn't read the book or they read the book two months ago in summer school. So... We start talking about like the lack of availability of water, which is when I told them like, how would you feel if you went to your water fountain and brown water came out? And she and I told her, we told them there's places in the United States that they don't have clean water. And she asked the kids, what am I talking about when I say there's places in the United States that don't have clean water? And the first class that we had, no kid knew what I was talking about, which Mm -hmm. blew my mind. Mm -hmm. The second class, one of my bubble kids who's in my who's in my homeroom class I was love like, term bubble kids. Oh, you're talking about Flint, Michigan, miss. And I was like, say more. And he's like, oh, yeah, there's a lot of families there that don't have, you know, when they when they turn their water on, their water is like, it looks gray, it lo- looks brown, and it's not clean. Oh. Oh. And um, I was like, do you know why that is? And they were like, yeah, it's mostly black families. And because they live in um, a lot of poor neighborhoods, and most of those people that live there are the black families that live there. And that started a whole, I didn't, even after the fact, like I spoke to some of the kids about it in my homeroom class and they were like, one of the kid that said that was like, yeah, that kind of made me think like, why is it okay for everybody else who's not black to have clean water, to clean water, but it's Mm -hmm. okay. It's okay for those, for those families that are black to not have clean water. Why is it like that? Mm -hmm. I'm like. That's the age-old question, my friend. Why mm-hmm. is it okay for those people because they live, they live in a different economic standing, or because it, and and, and the why answer is to that, that fine? Is, and the answer to that is is not okay. Like, it's, it's never it's I'm never like, okay. The answer is that it's not fine. It's, there's exactly. no there's no reason why in the United States of America in 2018 there are people living in this country that don't have access to clean water is ridiculous mm-hmm. that that is appalling and it was but it was even more appalling to me in that first class none of those kids knew that mm-hmm. none of those kids none of those kids knew that in a neighborhood that quite frankly just which, like the which one grade they were is, in which grade is seventh system? grade okay so they're like 12 11 some of them are turning um 13 mm-hmm. maybe they had no idea and i'm like they don't even know that a neighborhood that's literally identical to this one, there are kids just like them that do not have clean water and the color of their skin is a factor as to why they don't have clean water. Could it also be to uh, uh, a combination? Well, obviously it's a combination. A combination this, one, of them, of, one of them is obviously the poverty. The, 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 no, the, the mind share. I'm talking about the kids being even aware oh, of the yes, situation. They don't, it's just the mind share of like, all right, 50% is already on my phone, which um, it's Snapchat. How am I going to look here? They're, they're all musically uh, another, making videos, watching each other sing, which drives me insane. I hate it. <laughs> but that's like, it's it's Fortnite, musically, Snap. That's it. But then it, it comes down to how we've... We being uh, us adults, even mm-hmm. though, I'm, you know, it's uh, arguable whether I'm an adult or not. Yeah, I don't know but, if I'm, I'm, I don't feel like I <laughs> adult well. So but we, we, we pull that information in because we read about it. Right. You know, so it's kind of like this, this continuing cycle of, mm-hmm. of, I would, I would probably bet that a bunch of your bubble kids read about current events. You're right. They, and they, and they, and they pull it in. They make a, a conscious effort, just like 
even I as an adult, it's really easy to like tune out of the news, especially when we're in a time now where there's so many bad, there's so much bad shit happening that it's so easy for me to be like, nope, skip, not watching it. But I have to make a conscious effort to read about certain things just because I know that I might come to class and there might be, they might not know any of this shit yeah, at yeah. all. And they should know. But I have to consciously make an effort to learn that. So I'm sure those kids consciously made an effort. Like that kid that said it, I know that he made a conscious effort to read about whatever it was because he knew too much about it for him to have been like, yeah, this just fell into my lap. And I remember just growing up, probably in, in grade school as well, too. I would come home. I'd want to watch Saved by the Bell. Yeah. I'd want to watch, you know, uh, uh, Ghostbusters, et cetera, et cetera. It was and, Fresh and, Prince when I was a kid. And then I remember my dad would flip it onto the news. And this was just when like 24 hours, maybe only CNN was the one that was trying mm-hmm. to do like 24 hours. But everyone, everything else was like evening news. Yeah. He would flip it on. And then I would just, you know, just say, Hate it. Dad, why do you watch it? Why do you got to turn on the That's news? That's how it was for me. And then my dad would say, you know, you sometimes, sometimes you you want to find out what's going on in the world. But I'm like, but Ghostbusters, dad, yes. you know? That was so, me for, it was it was Fresh, Fresh Prince used to come on uh-huh. at like 4.30 and 5 o'clock. And that was what I used to watch when we, were watch, when we would eat dinner. So we would sit down, have a sit down meal and watch Fresh Prince. And then at 6 o'clock, it was, no, 5.30, the news started. And every time the news started, I'd be like, oh, my God, we have to watch the news. You remember, you're, you're reminding me of a project I had in fifth grade, which was to take a newspaper article and write about it. I swear everybody had that. Yeah. I swear everybody yeah. had that assignment. And I just remember everyone going, newspaper? We had them. This is what my we had them grandpa once reads. Once a week. Yeah. And I was like, what? Mind you, my grandfather to this day cannot start his day without a newspaper. He refused. Mm-hmm. He is he is eighty two years old and will not start his day. There are days that the only place he goes is to the corner store to buy a newspaper, and that's all. And he his his you can even tell the change in his attitude when a man <laughs> has not read the paper for the day. Yep. Get out of his way. Yep, is a problem. But I remember we all sat down. We all tried to like. Obviously, all the boys like, oh, let's just go to the sports section. And and it was like, the only story was about how the Giants lost. So mm-hmm. we're just like, oh. But and then, and then like, that. And then we were looking at like other teams and like, what is San Diego? San mm-hmm. Diego. It was like some a story about San Diego. Like, no, yeah. San Diego, what is that? You know? Mm-hmm. That's not a place. We're looking through uh, something else about, what is this? Da- uh, Doe Jones? Dow Jones? Or, or don't something? don't know what that is either. Just, just looking mm, through the thing. Nope. And we're like, what? Like... It was like pulling teeth. It was actually painful. And I used to hate having to do that assignment. And I was a kid that was like, yeah, I could read. But I'm like, yo, the newspaper is ass. Nobody cares about the paper. I hate it. I hated it. Even today, I can count on one hand in yeah. the last five years how many times I've read a newspaper. Like, not a lot at all. That's probably one of the only, not the only, there's a lot of benefits of like the internet. But sure. one of the... Well, one obviously, of the, news, newspapers are now doing online articles. One of the most like... um. Um, productive things that I can use the internet for is like up to the minute news. Yeah. I love that, and I love being able to like I can literally find Double an article. Edged sword. You can find a, that, yeah. But that I also had to like chill out with the up to the minute news there you because go. that shit was Double low edged. key making me anxious. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Mm-mm, this is stressing me out. I need to clock out for a little bit. Can't do it. Nope. Mm-mm. And but, think about it. As a kid, you're just trying to fit in. You're trying to, they like... Wanna, they trying don't to care about figure that. Out, what is it, 7th, 8th grade? Trying to figure out the body. Huh, something funny's going they on like, down there. They like... You know? They like... They're into, like, all the girls are like, oh, he's cute. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's cute. And then we also have 
um, students that are getting familiar with their sexuality and like, I don't like boys or I don't like girls mm-hmm. or or I'm a I'm a boy, but am I don't feel I don't feel like a boy. Like those are issues that they're having now. So there's so much pressure on them in other ways that it's so hard for them to really focus their attention on what you're asking them to focus their attention on. So if you don't make it applicable to them, they don't give a fuck. Exactly. Which is why they probably went, no, uh, there's other families out there that don't have clean water. They were, they were literally like, you would have thought that they thought that I made it up. A kid, yeah. a kid said that I made it you up. Made, and I'm like, you're making this up. He was like, miss you lying. Uh, I know you lying. I'm like, see this? You want me to pull it up for you? Cause I could pull we it are, up for we you. We are our own solar system. They, we, we are our own sons. It blows my, and it, it also blows my mind. A lot of the things that you would think that they know and they like, nope. Like, it crossed my mind that I'm like, they probably don't even know who, like, Michael Jackson is. Like, who Michael Jackson is really, like, as an artist. Yeah. I love Prince. So, I'm like, yeah. these kids probably don't even know who Prince is. And that hurts my heart. Like, uh, One of our friends in jiu-jitsu we used to train with, his name was Dane. He was young, 16, mm-hmm. 17. And he goes, yo, man, which one's, which one's Floyd out of Pink Floyd? He goes, what? What? <laughs> No, I'm gonna need you. It's like which one's which, which one's Floyd? Better. It's like a guy, right? Pink I'm Floyd. gonna need you to so. do better, Dane, Dane, Dane. Oh, it's great, Dane. If you're out here, listen, Woo. listen. You need in life to mm. do better. That's a mistake. To you know, to to you know, to wrap wrap all of that up. It's it's great that you actually are trying to push for some advocacy of trying to figure out what is going on with you as a person because. A really important thing is, and this is something I think adults still struggle with, of what you just said, a really good statement, finding out who you are. You need to know yourself as a person. And I am only at, I'm about to be 27 years old, just came to the conclusion like Mm -hmm. of the person that I am and even like the negative things and the positive things in mm. my life, like how those things work together to make me this person that I am. It's literally been like in the last two years that I've been able to be like, this is, mm-hmm. this is why I am the way I am, or this is the person that I am. And in hindsight, if there was more of, if there was more like clarity from an adult telling me like, it's very, and you know, people, mm. people tell you when you're it's a tough. kid, like, be yourself you should be yourself i don't know oh what the God. fuck that is lady I hated that. I, I what hated does that, that mean yeah what does that mean i didn't really know what be myself was for a long time because i didn't know the person that i was so how do i be myself if i don't know lady what are you talking about i don't get it and it's just one of those old adult saying your, things that be has yourself. to be updated one of the only adults that like broke that down to me in a real way was was my dad and my dad and i have always had it's like a we have a very weird relationship like we're close because we we have a lot of the same it's it's no denying that i am my father's daughter like when we're around each other we have the same face unfortunately um we we have a lot a lot of my interests came from him my taste in music came from him mm. so my like body art and tattoos that came from him because my dad is literally he he's a sergeant but he's a sergeant for port authority the man is tatted from head to toe if you saw him you would never think he's a cop he's a cop but he has a he he's 50 with a mohawk and he's tatted from head to toe so but we he also was not in my life a lot when i was growing up mm. so 
there was always a tension around us, even though we we vibe together when we're around each other. So, but one of the only practical things like of advice he gave me when I was a kid was like, he used to say all the time when I would get in trouble, which was far and few between because I was super sensitive. I would like cry at the drop of a dime, like mm. easily, like a leaf could fall and I'm Try crying. not to get in trouble. Literally. Cause You're even if I, when I hear the Try beginning to, of, I'm very disappointed in you. Oh, when, when I hear yeah. I'm very, it's literally like hysterics. I can't handle it. I'm not going to make yep. it. Don't, don't. You would literally think that somebody <laughs> was actually beating me. It would probably have been easier for me to get, to don't get spanked versus don't I'm very disappointed in you. Yep. So when that would happen, he used to always come and tell me like, if you get in trouble for something, let it be because of something that you made a decision to do. And I can back you up. Do not get in trouble for something that someone put the battery in your back for you to do, because then I can't help you. If you're doing something, it should be because you want to do it. If you don't do something, it should be because you don't want to do it for any please reason. please listen to this. Like Your dad has fucked up multiple times listen, and would have not fucked up if he followed Chloe's listen, uh, dad's advice right listen, there. Listen, Warren, look, Woo. if something is not for you, it doesn't have to be for you. That's fine. But don't jump on a bandwagon to just jump on a bandwagon. And thankfully, tough, because of that, I didn't really go through a phase of like bandwagon jumping. Like my bandwagon jumping phase was maybe like two weeks in sixth grade. But you know, it's it, max. It's, it's tough because you were you probably had a bunch of things and confidence in yourself. It's tough for a kid like me who's very who didn't have a lot of confidence. And that just is true. For wanted the, to fit in the kids that are like, oh, I need to fit in versus uh, that, like. And there were things that I weren't that I wasn't confident about, but there was always an adult pumping confidence into mm-hmm. me constantly, especially like being being a girl, being a black girl, being a dark skinned black girl. There was a constant flow of um of confidence being like almost pushed into me like you have to be okay. You have to be okay. You have to be okay with this person you are because in especially at that time society is not going to do anything for you for you to feel good about yourself so i had to get most of that at home so when i went out into like life i just went out into life like i'm the shit so i mean and i know that i'm the shit even if y'all don't feel like i'm the shit i know i'm good so somebody else's opinion there's a baby crying oh that's that's him waking up from his sleep from his sweet nap here we go no but you can you can keep going though (laughs) Yeah, so I got that confidence from home mostly. But um a lot of people like you said, you know, you feel like you're different, you want to fit in, you're not in a hurry to stand out. So it's harder for a person like you to feel like, yes, I'm the shit. It's more like a question mark like, am I the shit? Am I <laughs> really? Like I don't really feel like it cuz of whatever reason and you but you have it's so important for you as a person to have that belief in yourself and to know who you are because if you don't like i made so many poor choices and so like so many poor choices and so many poor decisions predominantly because i pushed against the person that i was versus just being like this is the person that i am let me not even do this or let me do this because i'm that's the person that i am like Mm -hmm. now i can do things in mind because i know the person that i am like Mm -hmm. i know that I am prone to like people. I'm very easily guilted into things. So I know that about myself from other, other people around me. Also, I've been like, you don't know how to say no to people. 
So I know now, like, I don't put myself in certain situations for someone to be able to play off of the fact that I have a problem saying no. Once upon a time, I would never have done that. I would feel guilty that I even crossed my mind to tell the person no. So I would have just done it anyway, even knowing I'm going to walk away from that shit mad. That don't matter. It's really tough running into, um, you'd stated it earlier on in the podcast, adults hopefully responsible adults who are able to influence and guide you caring adults who are, who are able to give it to you in a non-bullshit kind of way, not be hypocritical themselves. Really hard. That's a big one. Yeah. You know, and ones that you actually aspire to, you know what, if I wanted to aspire one day to be like, it's really like someone, hard. It it's really like, hard to even think of. If I had know? to, if I had to think of one now, it'd be really, really hard. Well, that's to because be you're like, getting older and older. Oh As you God. get older and older, you become. Uh, oh, <laughs> Jess has a huge problem. I'm I'm eventually starting to get, get a little bit of it as well too. Of like, as you get older, you're kind of like. You're not as cool as you're I thought you were. You're not as great were. as I thought you were, bro. You're really not. But in a way, that's also really cool because then it just you're just like a person. Oh, you're just like you're you a human me. too. You are human. Cool. Let me let me extract these. One, two, yeah. three things that I really admire about you. Let me push aside that I'm, stuff. I'm kind of going know. through that now with like some it's people tough. in my family. Mm, like when you when you see people in your family that you look up to, mm. or you a spot you like seeing them in this light of like amazingness all your life, and you see them at like what could be their lowest point or their lowest hour, and you see like things things that are the truth about them that you just didn't know. Mm. You're like, wow, you really, you kind of, you kind of out here fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. But on the, on, while that part of like that image that you have of that person, that's, that's gone now. You can yeah. never go back to that. But like you said, you can see the human part mm-hmm. of that person. And when a person is humanized to you, you can relate to them better because they're not on this pedestal of, I can never be like you because you're so great. When you have, if I know you have regular problems, like. Oh shit, you regular, so I could talk to you for real because you regular now. I was thinking about that as far as knowing yourself, um, and, and this is more so like when you're performing something. Remember yes. you said when, when you said uh, uh, just be yourself. Yeah, and that went, went into something like when I was like uh, attempting to play guitar. Yeah, and then like oh I gotta perform, and like what do I do? What do I do? What do I what do? I do? And then oh just do you know, just do relax what you do. and just do you. And that's another phrase. That's do another you? Phrase. And I could never figure that out until uh, <laughs> I read something that Charlie Parker, one of the founders of Bebop, one of the mm-hmm. greatest saxophone players of all time, he had this great quote that's still repeated today. He goes, take everything you know that you've been practicing, everything that you've been training for, mm-hmm. practicing, uh, and your musical knowledge. And then when you get up on the bandstand, throw, throw it all it away, away and just play. Mm-hmm. And it took me a while to kind of dissect a little bit of what, that's, of what that meant. And it's literally... What you said, just be yourself, just trust in yourself up until this point, all all the knowledge and the experiences and trials and tribulations that you had up to this point, mm-hmm. just don't consciously push it and just, just who you are right now, just let you, it out, just let, let you do. Just that level, just let do that what out. what you do. You have to, yeah. even the things in life that are, feel like a hindrance to you, mm-hmm. those things added to you in some way. Mm. Like there was so many things in my life that I was like, this is such a negative <laughs> that is like, how do I, how do, and there, it'll be things that like people would never see on you and know, like I didn't have my parents when I was growing up. My mom died when I was very young. So, and my dad wasn't really there. So 
that was such a weight on me when I was growing up. And I didn't really know how that influenced my actions until I became an adult. Like there were so many things in hindsight now that I did that I'm like, I did that because my mom was not there or I did that because my dad was not there. And I went through a phase of being like, I'm really fucked up. <laughs> like I'm out here, I'm out here really mm. wild right now. And you know. there's no, and I'm like, I'm never, I'm not going to, I'm not the fully formed person I thought I was because of these other things. As opposed to now, I feel like, you know, those things are a part of my life. And some of those things might be painful, but those things ultimately added to the person I am now. Like I wouldn't be as independent as I am now, probably if I had access to my parents, I wouldn't be able to be like as um, I couldn't relate to the kids that I now teach for a living if I didn't have a frame of reference to be like, I know what it feels like to not have your dad in your life or I know what it feels like to not have your mom in your life or whatever. Like I wouldn't be able to be as good at my job and that makes my job really a whole lot easier because some of us came from some of the same situations. So I don't have the same difficulty breaking through the students as somebody else who like has had all nice family you know came from money they have a really hard time reaching the kids that i have because the kids are like i don't know what the fuck that's like that must be nice (laughs) it's amazing what struggle can actually uh it adds up the fruit that comes from it because that's just human spirit right like that's in us too there's there's some people when they see struggle they'll they're just gonna either avoid or they fall or they or they work from it remember when i was saying like positive stimuli versus negative yes one? you use that it's i gotta get away from it and that thing's always it, it'll chase you for for a little while mm-hmm. but then you do well or you change yourself in a way where not i don't have to worry about it i'm going to remember that I, at one right. point in my life that one at one time in life i was not where i wanted to be yeah and that helps you to kind of motivate yourself to be where where you do want to be because you don't want to go back into old habits or whatever like for me for me personally keeping good habits is what motivates me to stay doing things i don't necessarily feel like doing like i don't always feel like you know being positive being positive let's be (laughs) pot that shit was really hard for me because i'm not a person that's innately like everything is a sunshine and everything Uh, is flowers yeah because that was not the story of my life whatsoever but When you have to, you don't, I don't want to be the way that I once was before when Mm -hmm. I was like, I was depressed and had no idea that I was depressed. I probably spent the first probably 15 years of my life in a constant state of depression. I had no fucking clue Mm -hmm. at all. And I'm like, I would never want to go back to that state of disconnect with myself that I wouldn't even know that my habits are unhealthy. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's all I need to do to be like, you know, let me do my stretches and let me go do breathing exercises and all the things now that I do as a part of a routine. Like, I don't always feel like doing that shit, but that it helps me to not be, not backtrack to my ways before I knew myself. Now that I know myself, I would never go back and do those things now because I'm like, those things hurt you, girl. You don't need to be doing that. And I think it's very cool that you're talking about these specific types of uh, struggles, depression being one of them, along with along with fitting in, along with along with uh, trying to discover who you are, like which everyone kind of goes through. Because if we don't, it's interesting that you brought up too that uh, 
that word relate, like not being able to relate to someone, especially for someone if they don't have the uh, the similar situations right. of how people were brought up. Because once you lose that relation, you don't have common ground and then the communication breaks down. Right. Versus at least we both agree that at some point there's struggle of some there's, type. There's always just like, there's you gonna know, be some type of struggle you're, where your your family, you're, you guys are Thai. Yes. You yes. guys are Thai. Very I knew good. That. Yeah. I knew that. You guys are Thai. You're in so, the 1%, by the way. I love who, who can, who can, who can figure that out because 99% say that's the 1% you know. I could be a part of yes. at least. So, <laughs> wow. <laughs> you ain't even see that that's one coming. You weren't even ready. You I fell ready over my chair. You saw me? I just yeah. fell out of my chair. Yes. Go ahead. So you guys are Thai. Mm-hmm. So yes. I would not have my, you know, my parents were born here. I was born here. I don't have the frame of reference of like what the lens of looking through life as like coming to this country to like better have a better life and being being pushed in that way from my parents because my parents were were born here. So I wouldn't I don't have that frame of reference. I got but, you, but but you can still find a common ground with me even though you know we might not were we, likely not raised we were, in the same yeah, remember way. Remember we were talking about my yeah. dad. And because uh, yeah. we were talking about uh, the again with the, the English language, that yes. being kind of like a barrier of entry to not yes. only education, but just imagine an immigrant yeah. coming over and that whole story, which I'm not, I'm not going to repeat because it's so it's such a freaking dirt. I, I'm trying to curse less. So <sighs> anyway, yeah, it's the story where my dad called the other uh, guy the fat. Yes. F, you know. That was a good story, though. <laughs> that was a good story, though. Yo, one one but, day, force him to tell you to tell y'all this story. This is a good story. But what but what happens with that is that story kind of shows you the there's a struggle there, mm-hmm. the struggle to fit in in right. this foreign world to try and uh, uh, even communicate, mm-hmm. even to talk to someone. That's a that's a major just barrier. being able to talk to them and then to grow from that. And imagine what he had to go through, especially in New York City. I couldn't. Back in the early 80s. I couldn't. I couldn't. Probably late 70s. I couldn't imagine because I just just see myself as being like racially an other and then not being able to communicate because it's it's one, especially being a racial, like you're racially part of the other group and it's apparent in your appearance. You mm-hmm. you can't you can't take it off yeah, I know. the fact that you're not of this country and in America and then on top of that we, not being able to speak it and then not being able to speak the language which then perpetuates customs perpetu- behavior everybody has different and we really don't I feel like on some level as Americans we don't really understand that the way that we should because you know people have different customs from like yeah. no matter where you come from they're like in America when people get married they wear white. In parts of Asia, that's what they wear when people are in mourning. Like they don't like just like we wear black when we're in mourning. There's a different wedding ceremony as well too. There's Africa. There are parts of Africa where you know the women, women when they get married, they wear like super bright and vibrant colors. Yes. Versus here, like if you mm. don't wear white, and if you wear white to their wedding, you're rude. Versus mm. in those countries, it's fine to wear white to their wedding because yep. she's not gonna have on white anyway. <laughs> Just things that we don't know about each other because we like to put people in boxes and how to that helps us to understand them in our mind. But when really you're kind of hindering that person from really yep. being who they are because you're putting them in a box of oh well you you can't you cannot speak english when low-key you can speak english you just didn't have 
the enough context to the situation to understand what was being said. That, like, that boxes thing is, is exactly what I think is uh, uh, a big problem with when you talk about like news and how everything is described today. Yeah. A lot of people have predetermined boxes. Yeah, you everyone have an idea It's otherwise known as stereotypes. But, mm-hmm. what, but what happens is, like, I'm sure I, I would apply it to him as my dad is growing up. Oh, look, here's this Asian guy here. Uh, doesn't know doesn't know know any English. He must be very shy. Right. He must, uh, you know, have have a have a lot of problem uh, communicating with, and and, right. and has the accent and is always like you mm-hmm. know kind of kind of like moving around as you see in the, yeah. in, the in the movies. Meanwhile, your dad could have had a shit together. And <laughs> and here's and as we as, as we found out, he's trash talking this uh, yep. this native New Jerseyan he was, here and he, he was, was ready he was ready him, with the comeback ripping him apart in fluent England with a little bit of a New York accent in there <laughs> so it's like yeah that's he that's what people can be a, a, a person can be uh, that's why I've, I, I've always hated like oh if you're of this color or right well political color then you must love this right and if you're of this political color then you right. must only do that versus like why can't someone also kind of like overlap yeah, and like, just be I, a I bunch like of what things works, together? I like what works for me. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. that's it. And being, being um, like duality. Duality is a really, really big thing. Like, you can... My, my, your my boyfriend now ex-boyfriend. Is now, my yep. ex-boyfriend now because he, he moved on from me. Mind you, that, that, wanted, that confuses Mario <laughs> to no end <laughs> whatsoever. Why don't we wrap up on this point yeah. as you're doing? Because uh, how long is it, has it felt like? Oh, my God. It now feels like it's maybe been like an hour. It's probably been like three days. <laughs> hour? It's been two hours. It's been three days. Time flies when you are just <laughs> flowing. Go ahead. Duality. Yeah. Duality is important. You can be more than one thing at yes. one time. Like Absolutely. Anybody can be more than one thing at one time. Like, I could... No, I love... I Like I said, I am from... I wouldn't say... People say the hood like it's a bad thing. I don't mm. feel like the hood is bad. I feel like mm. the hood is basically just a neighborhood with regular people, you know, working hard to live a better life. And just those people are regular. They're not, they don't have more or less than anybody else. But yeah, I I like you know, I go to bodegas. I still get chopped cheeses. If you don't know what a chopped cheese is, talk to somebody from the Bronx. I could tell you that offline. <laughs> but I still get chopped cheeses. I still you know get get 50 cent sodas or whatever mm-hmm. but i also can go to upscale, you love your tea upscale i love fancy tea that costs more money than i should be paying for quite <laughs> frankly but you know that's duality just just because i look like this doesn't mean i can only like one thing or care about one thing and if you cut somebody off from being able to have duality you're taking a whole part of their life away yep and nobody should have to do that wonderful Close. i try sometimes you know i am so psyched that we were able to have you on so am i i'm so excited and i'm I, so cool now i'm like oh you're interesting he said you could come on the show you're interesting girl that means you, you're doing something you know right what? out the, here there's, there's also definitely part twos and threes coming up especially as because you were you were you were frontline in the whole everything with uh, education where you're where you're teaching it's um, rough out here bro but i'm trying and I'd, I'd love to get updates on it as things yes. as as we know, as as this whole climate just uh, progresses, yeah, this is the beginning of the school year. This weather always makes me think of the beginning of the school year. Oh, there's a puppy licking me. Yes, and there's Hobbs. <laughs> Thank you very much, Chloe. Thank you for having me. 
And that's it, everybody. Isn't it crazy that we just came up in the middle of the podcast uh, uh, the episode of just using Sun Tzu's Art of War as a lesson in Fortnite? You know? But I expect nothing less, having Chloe on, and we hope you enjoyed the episode. As always, you can get in touch with us at Dear Warren Podcast at Gmail, Instagram, and on Facebook. Thank you for listening and all the support. We love you all. And yeah, maybe, just maybe we'll see you next time with the wonderful Jessica for the Midweek Podcast. 